Welcome to Firefox News Online, America's number one internet radio and internet video broadcast. The rules are very simple. No personal attacks, threats, or hate speech will be tolerated at any time. If you commit to these acts, you will be removed from the chat room. And if we're using a phone line, the same rules apply. Also, bear in mind that this is a roundtable discussion format. So please, no cross-talking during the broadcast. And finally, the views and opinions that will be expressed in this broadcast are that of the host and those who call in and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of anyone else or this broadcasting service. The use of media materials is protected by the Fair Use Clause of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, which allows for the rebroadcast of copyrighted materials for the purposes of commentary, criticism, and education. Firefox News Online Productions and its news division adhere to the criteria of the Fair Use Clause 100% across the board. And now, on with tonight's broadcast. allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It is time for Talking Points. The views and opinions expressed in Talking Points are that of the host and the host alone, and do not reflect the views and opinions of anyone else for this broadcasting service. How many times have you heard in the last week or so about the whistleblower? The whistleblower and the mainstream media touting the very thing about this whistleblower, that he's credible and all this. Well, you know, there is a whistleblower who ended up going to jail for a time. Well, you're going to hear that clip in a few moments, but let me just say for the record, not all whistleblowers are heroes. Not all whistleblowers are heroes. I had to repeat that because I wanted you to fully understand the implications of just what it is that 
we're getting saddled with. Now, add insult to injury in all of this. Fox News Channel put out a poll recently. Actually, it was from the 6th to the 8th, where there is a high number of people who want Trump impeached and removed. Are you for freaking real? Have you have all, have all these people lost their fucking minds? Now, I don't pay any minds to the polls when it comes to the elections. But something like this could deter people from voting for Donald Trump. Okay? And that's the last thing I want to see happen. That's the last thing anybody wants to see happen. Because if the Democrats actually get control of the White House, everything that Donald Trump has done will be reversed. Again, we are dealing with irrational people who are desperate to do anything they can to this president. And this whistleblower, how this person, he or she, is being protected by the Whistleblower Act. And you know what? It's strange. Like I said, there is a man who went to jail for a brief period because he did it the right way. He was a whistleblower, but he got snared by a bunch of people who honestly did not want him to be a whistleblower. Well, you're going to find out a little more about this from the audio that I have. And uh, this gentleman was talking to Tucker Carlson over at Fox News Channel, and I found it interesting because I didn't know about this whistleblower. Of course, I don't think anybody did, really. And if you did, well... You were probably watching the liberal mainstream media doing its due diligence like it's doing today. Right. Now, I can understand to a point the problems that the Democrats have. They want their power back. So they're going to cheat, lie, and steal to get their power back. You know, I'm really sick and tired of this shit. It's outright bullshit. I mean, it's really just insane bullshit. And I'm really calling a spade a spade and the shovel a shovel. And for all you Democrats listening, y'all can kiss my ass because you're all a bunch of people that don't know anything but bullshit. Yeah, I'm telling you, you're going to regret the day you called for impeaching this president because watch what happens if a Democrat gets in. I will rally the cry, impeach 46, impeach 46, impeach 46, or whatever fucking number he is. I mean, seriously. And Beto O'Rourke wants to take away our guns. Fuck you, Beto. This is getting completely ridiculous. This is bona fide, big time bullshit. Yeah, I know. I say bullshit a lot. But hey, listen, that's what the Democrats are. They're full of great A, U.S. choice, top of the line, 
bullshit. I mean, what do you want? A medal, Democrats? Seriously? You got a guy like Beto O'Rourke who wants to take away our guns. You got other candidates who, they're, they're talking the same crap. They don't have an original idea among them. I mean, Beto O'Rourke, Cory Booker, you know, Mr. Spartacus moment, Kamala Kamato Harris, Bernie, the field of burn, done burned up alive, Sanders. Uh, I'm telling you, it's just so sickening. And they want to impeach Trump. Now, even Joe Biden is now calling for Trump to be impeached. How the fuck did we get to this point in our history? Oh, yeah, Hillary Clinton. She didn't win. So it was Russia, Russia, Russia. Now it's Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. This is all getting to the point where I'm running out of stuff to really present here. You know, because all they're talking about is impeach, 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 impeach. It's like the needle got fucking stuck. Yeah, I mean, seriously, no matter what network you turn on, impeach, 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 impeach. That's all you fucking hear. There is no, there's, if there's any other news, breaking news. The Democrats want to impeach, 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 impeach. You know, seriously, that's all they fucking talk about. If it's not impeach the president, it's the whistleblower. If it's not the whistleblower, it's impeaching the president. I'm really sick of it. I know you are too, America. I mean, like I said the other night, they haven't even taken the vote to make it an official impeachment inquiry. They're changing the rules to suit their narrative. They're changing the rules to suit them. Yeah, you know what? I really don't think this is going to go very far. But you want to know something? I don't trust the Democrats. I don't trust them one bit. And all of you out there who watch CNN and MSNBC... Are you fucking insane? You're being lied to. It's not fair. It's not balanced. It's not responsible. It's not honest reporting. You're getting crapped all over. Trust me, you are being lied to. Hashtag FFNOP, hashtag FFNOP. Trend tonight's broadcast all over the world on the following dot coms, Twitter, Facebook, MeWe, and Spreely. And with that having been said, as always, it is now time for the rest of the story. All right, America, here we are, locked and loaded here in the studios in the Hudson Valley for another exciting episode of... Firefox News Online. Yeah, we're here. Well, I'm here anyway. Don't know where everybody else is yet. I got a guest listening, but that ain't that ain't unusual. A couple of guests. At least. 
give or take. I've got a couple of people tuned in. So, the question is, where did my view, listen, where are all, where have all my listeners gone? Long time passing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a little unusual. Usually, uh, Gunslinger is in the chat room by now, and Iggy Mom, and maybe Billy, and I don't know. They seem to have disappeared. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, we'll have a whiz-bang of a time here. Or try anyway. So I'm going to send out a text message to one of my listeners and hope he, he will show up. Why? Because... One, I can. And two, just seemed like a good idea at the time. Anyway, I just sent a text message. To one of them, one of the loyal, one of the many that come here. In the interim, anumanumanum, so let's see. There's a whistleblower out there who, for all intensive purposes, um, just doesn't get it. Now, here's a curious thing. According to One American News Network, Governor Gavin Newsom, California, Gavin Newsom, that is, signs a new law which allows residents to vote on Election Day. Now, really?
I uh, sent the text message to the wrong person. <laughs> Oopsie. <laughs> but the person I, I, I accidentally sent it to, hopefully they'll, you know, they're, 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 they're a very understanding person. They are a nice person. Gunslinger! Well, I thought for a minute there you, you, you forgot I would be here tonight. Now, I'm not here the fourth Wednesday, but I'm here tonight. <laughs> I'm here, buddy. I'm here. Now, 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 of course, it does have its disadvantages. That means I'm here broadcasting on the multiple broadcast platforms of the Firefox and News Online Broadcasting Network. And for a while there, I was doing it all by myself. Oh, you didn't forget you're in the in the middle of a project. Uh-oh, blonde brunette or redhead. Boom boom. <laughs> I had to throw that out there, folks. I mean, really, I had to throw that out there. I just, he he opened the door for that, you know. <laughs> I know he says blonde, I wish. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, bud. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, listen, a blonde, a brunette, or a redhead, or all of the above would be a nice uh, diversion for me, if you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, yes, folks, uh, got to get that out there. Kind of fun, you know. So anyway, <laughs> uh, so Gavin Newsom in California has really got Issues. Now get a load of this. It's not a very big story. It's a short read. I'll read it as soon as I get done yawning. Sorry. A new California law will allow its voters to register on election day at all polling places in 2020. New legislation signed Tuesday by Governor Gavin Newsom expands conditional voter registration throughout the state, which is a significant step towards boosting turnout for next year. Conditional voter registration begins 14 days in advance of the election after regular voter registration closes. The new law expands conditional voter registration in California, making it easy for residents to register and vote on the same day. A new voter can cast a ballot that is counted after eligibility is determined during the 30-day vote counting period following the election. Last year, around 57,000 Californians were able to register and vote this way while county election offices tested out the process. Starting next year, Voters in California can register anywhere ballots are cast and change their party preference at the last minute. Sixteen other states have already allowed for Election Day registration. Earlier this year, Newsom announced a new state budget that was intended to help upgrade California's voting system. 
I don't know. There's something about this that just it doesn't sound doesn't sound right, you know? I mean there's something about this that just doesn't add up. Now, of course, California being a liberal state, uh, they are, to say the least, well, he's trying to pull a lot of stunts. Um, He even tried to block President Trump from being put on the ballot in California because of the tax return BS. Yeah, you remember that, folks? I mean, seriously, voter registration on Election Day. I I don't know if that's, I mean, possibly, but this is politically motivated. This is what I, I figure. It's politically motivated, and if that's the case, well, somebody better tell Newsom, not good. I suppose Newsom's getting a bit tired of risking California votes. And uh, I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder about this. Think about it. If Newsom... having signed this into law, is doing it for political gains, this could change the landscape tremendously. It really could. Only time will tell. Seriously, time will tell whether or not this is going to uh, have an impact On, on the presidential election of 2020 or not. We will see. Um, of course, I'll talk with uh, some of my listeners when they call in about this and other uh, stories that I've, that I've got here. Also on tap for tonight, a former CIA whistleblower blasts the media. I've got a clip for that uh, particular story uh, that I'll be playing, of course. And, of course, the woman who confronted Beto O'Rourke, I found out something. She's not affiliated with this, with this uh, restaurant where they, can, where they carry guns on their, on their hips. She's affiliated with an Arizona activist group. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. But Mike said... Well, I guess Mike wasn't quite right on that one. Sorry, Mike. He could be the one to bear, to bear to you. Because I looked. I looked her up. She's not the one. I did. I checked. Now, of course, uh, the Supreme Court refuses to throw out 
New York gun rights case. That's right, folks. That's one of the other stories I got coming up. Because apparently the Supreme Court's not going to throw this case out. They're deferring it to December. Now, if that, if that being said, will they actually hear the case? We'll see. All right. Getting ready to jump into the fray. Is that Texas Lone Star State kind of guy, my buddy, way down there where everything is bigger in Texas? And if you don't believe me, ask him. He'll tell you. He's in Texas. Trust me. I mean, they've got bugs down there that are so big you could, you could slap a saddle on them. Not that I would, mind you, but, you know, what can I say? I've always said bigger is better, but that's kind of going a bit much. Trust me. And, of course, the man with all the knowledge of, uh, regarding Texas and anything Texas-related is my buddy Gunslinger. Hey, Gun, how are you? Hey, we got some <coughs> damn ugly bugs, too, down here. You can have a few of them if you want them. Man, they got some ugly bugs down here. Jeez. <laughs> Yeah, and some of them are politicians. Yeah, uh, and they're Democrats, too. That's why they're so damn ugly. Kind of kind of goes with the term thugly. Thugly, there we go. Thugly and ugly. <laughs> ugly is ugly. Well, thugly is fucking ugly. It's, a, it's an abbreviated term. Hey, that, that motherfucker's fucking ugly. Yeah, I know, he's fugly. <laughs> Well, anyway, <laughs> Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, signs into law the means by which people can register to vote on Election Day and be able to vote the same day. Now, there are other states... Um, that also have done this. I I don't know uh, just how the what the legalities of this would be. Um, but this also changes this this could change the dynamic for twenty twenty because that's when it'll take effect. What do you think, Gun? Well, I mean I is that to register on the same day? Well, I thought there was you're supposed to be registered so many days before, but I'm not sure exactly how that will affect, if it will, 2020. Um, now, if they was trying to register online like some of these idiots were trying to do, that would, I don't think they can do that, okay? But uh, this idiot governor, whatever his name is out there, Remember how he was just kissing up to Trump's ass when the when they was handing out the money when they had that last forest fire out there? Oh, he was just all smiles and stuff. Okay, and then he tries this bullshit. It's political, you know it's political. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I, I and, and believe me, I I think. I mean, again, I don't know what the legality of such a a maneuver is. 
um, the 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 stark reality is that when you uh, when you register to vote, you have to register to vote. Um, I think you're allowed up to 30 days before the election. I think. Um, honestly, I'm really not 100% sure of that. Uh, but I could be wrong. Now, that being said, of course, um, it, it's kind of a catch-22. It really is. But <clears throat> there's, there's something to there, – there might be – see, for some states – where Trump is looking at a state that's purple. There's a new one. There's a, that's still a new one for me to get used to. It's it's kind of a, a split down the middle where it's half Republican, half Democrat. So they consider it a purple state. So in a state where, say, they've done this already, and it's, uh, you know, it's... it's, it's uh, you know, it's it's worked. That's that's all well and good. I mean, I just don't. I can't. The chaos that it would create, though, is what I'm concerned with most. You know. Well, yeah. I don't know what you know. I don't see how it would affect the 2020 election. But you know, but he's got something up his sleeve. I'm sure. There ain't no doubt about that. Being a liberal state like California is, but I that was hmm, interesting. I'll be right back. I gotta go check on my project. I'm gonna be back and forth. What do you, what, what what kind of a project are you working on, anyways? Well, I'm, I I got I got a I've had it for well a long time a 21 foot travel trailer right, and I'm renting it out. So mm-hmm. I'm having all my stuff out of the trailer, the, the travel trailer. To do that, so I've got somebody else out there moving the stuff around. So I'm kind of back and forth and up and down, you know, project supervisor, you know. Uh, well, just just be careful, brother. You know, once you become a landlord, that's 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 a whole new ball of wax. Oh, I know. I, well, I've I've been a landlord before. Oh yeah, I've been it for for decades. We had a we uh, on that other property over there, in my homestead. Uh, I rented a trailer over there for God, thirty years, I guess. So yeah, I'm not new to it. Yeah, so oh, I know. Yeah, <clears throat> let's put it this way: I've had to evict a few people at gunpoint. <laughs> I've been there, got a T-shirt. You know what I mean? Uh, glad I'm not down there. <laughs> You know why? Because if if your 357 didn't do the trick, I'd be sitting there with the with my AR7 going, I thought the man said get the fuck out. So get the fuck out. You know, I, you know, down here I'm doing when my you rent, my easy Clint Eastwood on. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm the wall down here. Okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, especially when you own property.
Well, when you get back, hopefully that'll be soon. I'm going to put the clip in play about the whistleblower, a former CIA whistleblower who got jailed for doing the job of a whistleblower. And wait till you hear who was involved. You'll find that interesting. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Now, folks, I'm sorry if you were watching the video side and I, I wasn't on video right away. But, uh, well, I hit the button. But apparently, I, mi- I must not have hit it right on mark because... Switch over. Sorry. Stuff happens, you know? So, right now, I am looking at my hat disappearing from the chroma key. (laughs) Okay. Well, that'll work, I hope. Yeah, that's a little better. Now there's no hole in the brim of my hat. Well, in the interim, I have an idea. I have a plan. One nice thing about putting this microphone on my desk on a more permanent mounting is because, one, I can, and two, I can. Okay. So I'm going to go to my uh, Facebook page here. There's something I I want you to hear. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put up on the on on the audio track, and uh, that is if I can get it to open. You know what they say, folks. Not everything runs smoothly on live broadcasting. I already know that. But don't tell anybody else. It's a work in progress. Uh, There we go. It's just one of those days. Uh huh. Ah, there we go. Book of the face. Oh, and by the way, Mark Zuckerberg is going to be going on Capitol Hill to talk about cryptocurrency. Yeah, okay, whatever. How about the uh, fact that he 
that his his social media outlet still does a lot of damage to conservatives, blocking them, throwing them in what's called Facebook jail, that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, come on, really? You would think people would be smart enough, you know, to realize that nobody gives a crap about this cryptocurrency shit. I sure as hell ain't getting involved in it. It's like I keep saying, if you can't pay cash, don't bother. Now, I can certainly say without fear of contradiction, this is taking a long time. That's better. Now, let's see. Uh... I got to try and find it, folks. Bear with me. I'm telling you, it's It's a work in progress. I mean that. Honestly, I do mean that it's a work in progress. If you'd like to join me for discussions tonight, you can do so by calling 347-945-5747. That's 347-945-5747. Hmm. Now, a buddy of mine, I think it was Gunslinger, who posted this in the FFNO News and Topic Room on Facebook that I have. I stopped calling it a chat room. It's just a news and topic room. You really know it's a chat room. So I figured, drop the word chat. You know, it's kind of repetitive. And I'm just waiting for YouTube to Uh-huh. You know, I, I hate when this happens. Right. Okay. This is starting to really bother me. I'm sorry. I didn't I did not start it yet. Oh, this is a 24-minute clip.
Protect Yourself Online, Five Pillars of Security and Privacy. Well, hell, it's only me and Gunslinger sitting here, and he's all taking care of a project. So, the heck with it. I'll play some of it. In this video, we're going to be going over security and privacy online and really how to properly do this. And it's not going to be just a VPN ad like almost every other YouTube video out there. I'm going to be going over five parts that are essential to understanding how to be secure and private online. And that's going to be your operating system, your DNS server that you're going to use. And if you don't understand that term, that's okay. This is Beginner Monday, so I'm going to break down everything that I possibly can for you. Number three is going to be web browsing, which web browsers to use. Number four is going to be using VPN and proxy services. And then number five is going to be search and social networks. So with all this, you should have a lot better understanding of security and privacy online. So let's go ahead and jump into this. So the first thing I'm going over in this one is your operating system. No shocker here, I love Linux for a reason, and that is because it is a secure and private operating system. There's a whole bunch of things that go into Linux, and I'm not, not going to go into those in this video, but many people use Microsoft Windows. Now, there's a whole variety of reasons why I don't like it, but it doesn't make for a very good foundation because they've been proven to have NSA backdoors, there's a telemetry service that is enabled on default that goes ahead and reports all the things that go on in your system back to Microsoft. The default stock settings also enable uh, keystroke logging, and they send this back for uh, Cortana and understanding how humans type better. All these things get transmitted to Microsoft. So that's why I really, really don't like Microsoft Windows when it comes to security or privacy. And some of the hardest jobs in the world, in my opinion, are trying to secure Microsoft Windows networks. But with that said, some people are going, well, Titus, I don't know anything else, and I, I don't have the time or the knowledge to bother with Linux. I'm like, hey, I get it. And if that's your camp, but you still want to be secure and private, I say, your next best thing would be using a live USB and booting into something called Tails. Now, Edward Snowden actually talked about using Tails and how good it is. And basically what it is is it's a, a basic operating system. It's Linux, but it has a ability where basically it's, it's not storing any persistent data, which means everything you do on that, as soon as you go turn off your computer, is pretty much gone. It's not persistent, which is great. I'll go ahead and show you the actual burning the thumb drive using uh, very basic software on Windows so you could at least get uh, Tails running on your system when you want to be secure online. I think this is very important. However, I do encourage you try out some of the Linux distributions out there and get off of Windows if you can. I've made a lot of videos which uh, if you check out my channel's playlists, uh, a lot of them going from Windows to Linux and what to expect because it is a whole new operating system. It's very difficult for some people to learn and I try to make a lot of educational content to help you. But 
with that said, I know Tails would be a very good Band-Aid and also kind of introduce you to Linux and a lot of the security and privacy features it offers. So uh, I'll leave a link in the description how to get to Tails, but basically uh, downloading an image file, installing it on a USB, and then booting from it. And I'll just go ahead and break that down on my desktop here in screen record so you can see all of that. All right, so let's start out here by downloading Tails for the actual uh, live USB, if you're interested in this. If not, check the description. You can go ahead and skip to the next section as well. So with this, we'll have Tails. Uh, it's kind of a weird address, tails.boem.org, and you'll just pick your OS that you're in and then get the image. So we'll go ahead and say install from Windows because that's what most people will probably be using. Let's go and then just download the USB image. Note, their download servers are rather slow. It takes a couple hours to download it here. You may want to do torrenting. If, if you're uncomfortable with that, then just wait a couple hours. So with that image downloaded, we'll close out. Uh, I'm gonna use Etcher for this tutorial because it's just so stupid simple that pretty much anyone can use it. So with Etcher launched, you can go ahead and select your image you'll click Tails, which you just downloaded. You'll put in your USB drive. Now, this is the important thing. If you're doing a live USB drive, I highly recommend using what's called USB 3. If you have a little bit of a newer PC, you should have a USB 3 drive. Now, uh, what a USB 3 drive looks like is right there. You can kind of make it out. It's got that blue line. If it's just got black here, if this is just black, then it's USB 2, and USB 2 drives are pretty slow in comparison. If you plug this USB 3 drive into a USB 3 port on a computer, it's literally gonna run and transfer data 10 times as fast. Really important to know. And with that, just click flash, go through the whole process, it validate, once that's done, take out your USB thumb drive and plug it into either the computer you're running it on, or if it is this computer, you can simply reboot and we'll go ahead and cut over to uh, the reboot process. I have a screen capture device so we can actually show you me booting directly to this thumb drive. All right, and start up here, I'm gonna hit F11. Now my inside computer actually is F12. I've even seen computers do F8 for a boot menu like this. Mileage will vary depending on your computer, but most have a boot menu. If you can't find your boot menu, uh, usually delete or F2 will get you in your BIOS and you can manually select to boot from your USB drive. So with all that said, we'll just arrow down to our USB drive and select that. We're presented with our boot screen. You don't need troubleshooting mode, you just need the first option. Okay, here's our startup screen for Tails. We simply just, you know, select your language. If it's any different from English and hit start Tails, it starts into the Tails environment. Now the cool thing about this and also something to remember when you get to the desktop, it's uh, whatever you put on here is gonna disappear when you reboot. This is not persistent storage, which means it's dynamic. If you have a power outage and you're in the middle of something, Guess what? When it comes back up, it's going to be exactly like this. It doesn't store anything. Really important to know that up front, but that's also kind of the beauty of Tails and why so many people use it. 
So from here, you can click applications and select what you actually want to launch into. Most people are using this for the Tor browser. Use Tor, I'm about to get into that. It's, it's probably the most recommended for security and privacy browsing, but you'd launch into here, launch into your Tor and browse a lot more secure than if you opened up your Google Chrome and uh, launched into that using your Windows machine. So from here, we would have the internet and, and be able to uh, browse around, do whatever we need to do. So you can come into this and, and just type, what is this rash? And this wouldn't show up in your internet history. That's kind of a cool thing. <laughs> but that's the power of Tails and uh, in combination with mainly the Tor browser. So that is the basics for the operating system type of thing. Now, if you say, no, what, I, that's too much above my head. I can't do that. I'll be like, hey, no problem. Look at my videos about at least disabling telemetry and mitigating some of the feedback you submit to Windows. Uh, at least, you know, not submitting like handwriting and speech and a lot of these things to Microsoft will definitely help with your privacy, but again, using Windows is a concern for pretty much anybody in the security field. So number two is gonna be DNS servers, and what a DNS server does is it resolves domain names to numbers. So google.com has what's called an IP address or a number, and every time you type it in, it uses this server to figure out what that number is. Now, if you don't do anything in your stock settings, your your internet service provider will do this service for you, which is extremely bad on a whole bunch of levels. Now, there's a security and privacy aspect because a lot of times they're in bed with uh, reporting you to, let's say you download an illegal song or something like that. That all gets reported and tracked a lot of times through the DNS servers, uh, among other services that you use. By no means just changing your DNS is enough, but it's one of the ways that is tracked. And then also uh, a lot of them can turn over information or they're, they're actually logging all this and some of that could be turned over to like the NSA, for example. So using these services is not secure, but honestly, uh, the bigger concern when it comes to ISP or internet service provider DNS servers is they're extremely slow performing and they simply go down sometimes. They're, they're unreliable, which is horrible. Uh, that's my primary reason for never using them, whether it's business, personal. I don't use an internet service provider DNS. And if you, know, you find an IT professional that says, well, you should, they probably aren't a professional. <laughs> so I recommend either using probably Cloudflare or you can use, uh, which Cloudflare is 1.1.1.1, or you can use uh, the four nines or even Google DNS would be a step up from your ISP. Now, Google, obviously, for security and privacy, I wouldn't use them, but I just wanted to throw that out as a lot of IT professionals do use Google, which is 8.8.8.8. Um, and if you don't understand those numbers, that's okay. Uh, let me go ahead and jump over on the desktop, show you how to set your DNS with these uh, out of the way, and you've set your DNS. Now, Preferably, I would set the DNS in the router level. I'd love to show you that, but the problem is everyone's internet service provider is different and everyone's routers are different. So I can't really show you that, but I can show you from a device level. So let's jump over on the desktop and I'll show you setting your DNS.
Okay, for setting your DNS in Windows, my high recommendation here would just be to right-click on the Windows icon, hit Run, and type ncpa.cpl. This launches an old-school network configuration that makes it really easy to modify the DNS in a Windows-based system. We'll right-click on our loaded or connected Ethernet adapter, hit Properties, and then what I like to do is disable IPv6, and then go over to IPv4 and hit properties and say DNS, use this server. And then for alternative, I like to do nines. And this gives a very secure, high performance DNS server. We'll hit, go ahead and hit apply and close out. So you can also check to see what your DNS server is by going run. And we'll just launch in a command prompt and do an IP config all. And you'll see that our DNS servers right here is the 1.1.1 and the 9.9.9. Now, if there is some cache, you can also clear this. Okay, that's enough of that for filling in the time. I'll uh, keep it on standby just in case. On the phone line with me is Mike who I suspect you're still up in, uh, up on the Cape. So yeah, I just had a notice that you were, I just had a notice that came in that said, call George's show quick because he's playing arbitrary clips from different audio things that aren't related and some strange stuff. You got to call in quick. I, I don't know. Did you, you did, did you play anything from Monty Python? Yeah. Did you play anything from Monty Python? No, yet, no Monty Python, I, buddy. I'm sorry. No, I was just playing a boring a boring audio clip that, quite frankly, had was just boring. Uh, no, I mean, it's no nothing. No Obama speeches or. Off doing, oh hell no, no, <laughs> no! I said boring, not 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 death <laughs> Oh my God! What's he I mean, What's come he on. Doing? Got, wow. He is working on a project, uh, getting his. Uh, he's doing something with his trailer, with the trailer that oh. he, that he has all his stuff in. He's going to be renting yeah. it out. So. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, if you can make some money, well, work make really, money. Yeah. Yeah, what the hell? Um, I just I did like uh, this. I just did What'd a you post. Do? What'd you do? I, I was, well, I was posting the pictures of our, you know, on the um, the Masonic trip here that we did to the Cape. Here, go to. I just gave you the link in the FFNO. You go to the top top post, you see it. But I had to put the pictures. There's thirty six pictures or so. But I had to post the pictures, and then I had to write it and, and write because you know out of the protocols, you have to thank everybody that was responsible, everybody that you know that made the trip possible. And so I'm trying to make sure that I didn't didn't forget anybody. I'm trying to remember all the names. It's like oh shit, am I forgetting anybody? But uh, if you go to FFNO, you see the link. I'm already on my way there. Oh yeah, and that. Okay. Now you can see what we've been up to. Uh, 
The picture of me with the guy in the Navy uniform. He's in the Navy uniform. You see him there? And it's like the bottom right-hand picture. He used to be, I mean, yeah, he was in the Navy and everything, and he was very active with the Coast Guard. And he's the harbor master. Are you sure that picture were in the FFNO? Yeah, and yep, yeah, and uh, but he was a cruise ship captain for Princess Cruises. You know those big cruise ships? Oh, the, 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 the Princess Cruise Line, the the, the company that that um, that was used on uh, the love boat. Yeah, that type of thing. But can you imagine the responsibility? I would never want that type of response. That's a huge, Jesus Christ, one mistake. And that you don't want to be responsible for that rowboat going underwater. Holy shit. Oh, hell no. That's a lot. Shit. No, fuck no. Dude, let me put it to you this way. I have enough trouble rowing a rowboat, okay? I I would not want to be in that guy's shoes for that kind of a job. Fuck no. I wouldn't want that at all. No, so that's why they're... Well paid. He's a great guy. Fantastic guy. Very interesting. But that's a big responsibility when you're the captain for a ship that size. Jesus. And and they, they must have incredible staffs because by the time you figure the kitchen crews, all of the maintenance, all the stewards, all the housekeeping, all the engine room, they are, it's a city. So you're the head of a, of a city. And there's nobody to pass the buck to. You're out at sea. You're it, man. Your mm. word is law, you know. Great, great guy. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, there, 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 there is, uh, there's a lot to be said for the guys that do that. You know, as far as the courage. Yeah. And you, you run into, a, you run into a problem. And these, and these guys have had problems while out at sea, while doing the cruise. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. I remember it was about ten years ago, your take. I remember reading some article about a a cruise. It was like three or four days out. It was halfway through its journey, and this guy was freaking out, and he wouldn't stop freaking out. They couldn't, and he would. And he, as soon as somebody tried to catch up with him, he would run. Well, they finally nailed the guy. And they 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 took him to the ship's doctor, and the ship's doctor apparently had to sedate him. Wow! And when they got to the next port, they took him off ship, and you know <coughs> they somehow managed to get him back to the states, where you know he obviously got help. But Jesus Christ! <coughs> and I mean. Look at all those cruise ships where where people got sick on board ship. That's another problem that yeah. they got to face. You know, all these things that happen yeah. while out at sea. I mean, it's just amazing that they can get through it in one piece. You know, but yeah. um, I, I listen. I, not for anything, but i would rather be I would rather be the guy that that welcomed you aboard and be standing off the ship you know at the bottom of the gangway or at the or or the top of the or the gangway that goes across to the ship or whatever the fucking deal is be standing at that entry point away from the ship and going, "Hi, welcome aboard. Glad to have you for the tr- for this cruise. 
have a great time and enjoy yourself. And as soon as the last passenger gets on, and I'm told, okay, that's it, I'm like, see ya, suckers. And just go about my business. I figure, fuck it, man. I'm not I'm yeah. getting me on that motherfucking boat. Yeah, no shit. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't get seasick or nothing like that, but if something were to go fucking wrong, I would want to be the fuck out of there as fast as possible. And diving off the diving off the deep end, no. And you know those you know those battery operated skateboards that they've got with the two wheels. You know they say that they're, oh, they, the, the batteries light on those, fire. Yeah, I saw one. I saw one just recently, uh, just the other day. I've got my friend's car because she's very sick, so she she asked me if I wouldn't mind helping her out. So I do. You know, I go to the store for her in the pharmacy and whatnot, and I help her out. So the other day, I'm on the way back from the uh, pharmacy over there, over by Marist College. And so I'm making my way back. Here's this guy on a sidewalk, and those fucking sidewalks are garbage. They're, they're broken spots, elevated, lopsided, you name it. And he's riding one of those fucking things, and I'm thinking, my, I'm at the, I, I stop at the stoplight where I see him just going right on by, and I'm, I'm thinking, that motherfucker must be out of his mind riding on this on that sidewalk like that. Well, the, I'm in the I'm in the hallway. I'm in the hallway. I'm in the uh, alleyway, which is right next to the lodge building. I'm having a cigarette with a bunch of the guys, and one of the officers of that lodge in Provincetown, take a scroll through mm-hmm. the pictures. He comes bomb, bombing around the corner, holding his tuxedo jacket, riding a single. Wheel, one wheel, a unicycle, electric, motorized, and that thing hauls ass, man. That thing moves, and he's bombing on down the road with it. All right, and it all right. I started with the with, with picture with the one picture uh, of the guys sitting at the table with the lobster. So, yeah, let's see here. Okay, I've seen this picture see already. That. You'll see the guy on the one okay, wheel. I never lobster. knew they made a single unit, an electric unicycle one. Man, he was good at it, okay. too. He was unbelievable. Here's the Navy guy. Here's Max. More Max. Max Hawk on the show. Yeah, that's Jumps the one. right up on the table. Hog the show for. He, do- he doesn't <laughs> care. He just jumps right up. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's like a caveman. Oh, hello. What's up here? Okay. Um, bunch of guys in front of an ice cream store. You know what I'm saying? Uh, looks like a sporting goods store with a with a rainbow rack. Oh, there's a with ton of rainbow stuff. Cars. That place is jammed with. The place is jammed with stuff. It's a surplus place. Yeah. Okay, still haven't gotten to that. Okay, I, I, George, he came around the corner. He came around the corner on that thing. Yep. He was cruising. Came around the corner. I turned. I turned to the guy next to me. I said, "Is he one of yours?" He said, "Yeah, that's." it's one of our officers. I went, wow, creative entryway. Yeah, it's quite the entrance. 
It's going to end up having light built into it and everything. Dude. I see the headlight. What do you, what do, you do for windshield you wipers? You couldn't pay me enough to try and ride one of them things. Holy <laughs> shit, man. He was no. good on it. I got trouble <laughs> walking with my pounds. Never mind getting on my own fuckers. I was impressed. I never saw that before. I, I got to say, though, I mean, you know, he looks like he's, he's hand, he can handle that thing with, with, with the best of them. But I got to say, without fear of contradiction, one wrong move, and he would be splat. Go a couple more pictures, and you'll see a guy in the kitchen holding a, a bowl of strawberries, and he's on the cell phone. Do you see that picture? Uh, not yet. I'm looking at a guy who's a Frank Sinatra wannabe. The yep. purple tie. Yep. Okay. He's having fun. Yeah, he's on through it here. Okay. Yeah, the, the guy with the cell phone up to his ear, and he's holding the blue bowl of pie yeah. or whatever that is. Air, uh, strawberries. Okay. Hard to make out in the picture. Uh, yeah, every year... Every year we bring cheesecakes from Homestyle in Peekskill. They love it. They love them because we go to visit, we bring New York cheesecake. So see them? They're separating them all, putting the slices out, putting strawberries on them. I'll be damned. And you brought you so brought those up from from, uh, from, from Homestyle. Yeah. Yep. So they announced to everybody we have a special dessert brought to us from New York, New York cheesecake. They get a big kick out of it, so they enjoy it. Yeah. And Homestyle does make the the best damn cheesecake I ever tasted. They do. Yeah. Haven't had it in a long time, but one of these days I will. God knows I my do- I will not tell my doctor. <laughs> All right. Of course. Does, and she does listen to the to the, to the broadcast and archives once in a while, so I think I just ratted myself out. So uh, if you if you hear of a if you hear of a doctor committing committing uh, com, uh, taking t- taking a stethoscope and strangling her patient with it, that would be me. Yeah. Well, anyway, it was a nice event. We presented each one of the uh, Coast Guard. Members that was there that, that came with an American flag, you know, out of uh, you know those flags. So you've got you've got one. And I've got one. Yep, those are the flags. Yeah. So we gave each one of the coasties, you know, one of those, and uh, it was nice. So we had a nice evening with everybody. And today was kind of a cold, yeah. miserable, rainy all day. It was a yucky day. So we just lit the fireplace and we well, were they're, they're taking for a nor'easter. Uh, There's a nor'easter heading, heading, heading up the coast. Nor'easter as in snow? Lots of rain, no. lots of wind. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, uh, I, was watching the, I was watching the local news and they were talking about it. And I'm like, great, that's heading up Mike's way. He's still up there. All right. Yeah, well, yeah, you're not going to well, be too happy. It's supposed to hit pretty hard well, up, up in that area. Well, I got wood. So even if power goes out, man, I'm lighting that fireplace. It'll be nice and toasty, and 
I'm good. I got two of those chargeable battery packs for the phones and stuff, and I'm fine. You know, I can always start the car and charge the phone that way, so I'll have entertainment. It won't be like the there old days go. where we had to light the kerosene lamps and chase the Indians off your property. Uh, those days are gone. <laughs> hey, Pocahontas, get your husband yeah, get the fuck yeah. out of here. Yeah, those, yeah, those days are gone. Hey, by the way, speaking of Billy, he's in the chat room. I just I just spotted him in the chat room. Hey, Bill, why don't you call in? Join the fun. Come on. You know you want to call in. It's not like you, you have to be a total stranger. You, know, you haven't called in in a while, and I think it would be good for you. Besides, I've got some stories here that I'm going to be covering in a few minutes. I think you'll like that. I'd like to get your opinion on some of that. So there. <laughs> uh, let me see here. Well, it would help if I opened up the folder that's got the damn links in it. Mm-mm-mm. I'm clicking on tabs, going from the from the switchboard to the chat room to Facebook, and oh boy. Um, well, you saw this in the uh, in the FFNO news and topic room. Uh, what regarding the Supreme Court? Now I wanted to to put this out there. I brought uh, I brought that up last night. I showed you the link too. Remember? Yeah, and I wanted and, to. Yeah, kinda, I don't like the, I don't like the way they're fluffing it up. They keep trying to fluff it up to, to mislead us, like. Look, they said no, that they're not going to make it moot. No, that's not true. And then later on in the article, it says, well, they'll listen to the arguments in December. Yeah, what the fuck are you putting a headline like that? Misleading people into thinking that the Supreme Court said no, they're not going to dismiss the case. Uh, and uh, they are going to go forward to the case. They're not going forward to the case. They're going yet. They're, yet, they're going to listen to arguments on both sides and decide if they're going to go forward with it. So right. it's not a no, done deal not, yet. I, I, no, it's it's far from that. But what no. what I was wondering is now, okay, we're we're waiting for December, so we've got two we got roughly two months, a little over two months before that right. happens. Okay. Now, what I'm kind of looking at here in this in this whole in this whole fight, and again, you know. I may not be the biggest dog. I may not be the the, the the guy with the most to lose. But losing just once is, you know, that's painful. Yes. Especially, especially after all the years that, one, that a person like myself has George, wanted to be a gun owner. Picture, so picture how many I'm, people I'm, have I'm won their gun rights. Picture how many people mm-hmm. have over the years now, because of the fucked up laws in New York City alone, have lost their gun rights because they had felony charges brought against them for transporting firearms just because their plane landed in New York City. I remember seeing a, a video about that. I think uh, it was John Stossel who, would, who was talking about it in this one yes. video I saw. The, the woman, yeah. she, she did everything right. And this is what's, what, what kills me. She did everything they told her to do. Everything. And the next thing you see is she's popped at the airport 
once it once gets off the plane. She follows the rules and gets her, and, and loses her gun rights. Right. It's pretty bad. And that's and that's the scariest thing of all. Okay. See when 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 if I'm if I'm driving a rental car, okay, let's say I'm I'm driving a rental car. Now I've got my AR7 packed, in, you know, it, with my with my stuff in the trunk of the car. The ammunition has to be kept completely separate from the from the weapon. If I'm to understand the way things work when traveling. Problem is, if you're in a car, the weapon is in the trunk. Where do you put the fucking ammo? Up your ass? Because <laughs> certainly ain't going in the glove compartment. I mean, you got to put the ammunition someplace, and it's still not far enough away from the weapon. And in some places, I've heard horror stories where a guy would have it in a lockbox the ammunition I'm talking about, a lockbox on the floor on the passenger side in the front while the weapon is stored in the trunk. (coughs) And getting arrested because he's not keeping the ammunition separated from the weapon. Yet it's physically separated from the weapon, weapon gun in the trunk, ammo on the front floor in a lockbox. Some of the fucking shit you got to go through is insane. Now, like, for me, it's real simple. Everything, everything goes right inside the stock, with the exception of the ammunition. I can't travel anywhere with it and carry ammunition. Because if I'm walking, where's the ammo going to go? I've got the thing packed yeah. up, you know, packed up on my back. But where do I put the ammunition? I can't put it in the backpack with me. You know what you can do? What do I, I the chops, put it, put it in a Ziploc bag, scrunch the top of the Ziploc up, and put a padlock, one of those cheapo padlocks, through the plastic and say it's a locked container. <laughs> you know, they fuck with <laughs> I, that's what the fuck I do. That's but George. But you laugh. But you know they don't specify in the law how strong of a lock container or what. To, it's a locked container that is padlocked. So if I give you a plastic gun case, which a lot of them are with the, with the holes on it for a padlock, that's considered that's a locked container. How easy is it to get into one of those plastic containers with a fucking razor blade? You can get into the thing. So how locked is it? Mm-hmm. It isn't. Exactly. So it's locked the same as the Ziploc. So you want to fuck with me? I'll fuck back with you. That's a locked container. Did you have to break it open to get into it to bypass the lock? Yes, you did. Then you just broke into a locked container, Mr. Officer. All right, I can fuck back with you the same way you fuck with us. It's true. Son of a bitch.
so in other words, if I had one of those plastic containers where you can put a padlock through it, yep, and I put a padlock on it, and, I, and it's in my it's backpack. It's a lock container. It's a lock container. They can't touch me. It's separated. Nope. Not that anybody would know what's in my backpack at any given time anyway, because I either carry my, my uh, AR-7 in there or I carry my laptop in there. Yep. And it's on my back. It's not like, you know, hey, it's not like I, nope. it's not like I carry it like a suitcase. I mean, if you want to even take it to another extreme, I'd take and put a strap on it that has a little loop with a, a hook so that you can put one of those little combination $2 padlocks on it and put the strap holding the butt, lock, you know, strapping the butt onto the AR-7's uh, thing so that, and put the padlock on that and say, no, my AR-7 is disassembled with a lock on it. Yes, Your Honor, it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, uh, it's that, true. It sounds your funny, honor, but... your laws are, yeah, your laws are ridiculous, and and so is mine. Everything is fucking ridiculous about it. But I am complying with the law. Show me in the law where it specifies how it, how it's to be locked. It doesn't. Well, well, there you go, dude. It's got a strap. It's disassembled, and it has a lock on it. Oh my God, your honor, can you imagine? They bypassed my lock. You can't be charged. It's unbelievable how stupid the fucking laws are. <laughs> you interpret it your way, and I'm yeah. interpreting it by verb, verbatim exactly what the law says. Kind of reminds me of the of that website that I used to go to uh, from time to time about dumb laws yeah. around the country. But it's it's true. Exactly. These dumb laws, they're they're so fucking stupid flaky okay i mean and vague doesn't even begin to describe it and and they don't understand even in in the law and they say well the serial numbers and my favorite all which you you have you'll floor the police will look at you like cross-eyed because it's true but they don't know what to do but it's the law but they don't know what to do well that means your system is it's fucked up Oh, my God, then I can't trust it. Yeah, you can't, can you? How's it feel? Well, we don't want people to know this. Now, the serial number. Well, Luger's, the company that made during the war, Mauser, had a weird habit. Every year, they would start back at zero with their serial numbers. So there would be a prefix they start, yep, so that if the, on the top of the gun will be a date code, 1942. Now the serial number applies for 1942. 1941, the whole, all the same serial number blocks and everything, but it's for 1941. So, and it happened to a friend of mine. He's a state trooper. And he had a, he had a, a 1940 or 41 Mauser. Luger, PO8, and he got a phone call from somewhere out in the Midwest. And they said, look, we traced this Luger, and it comes down to your possession, and that gun is stolen. He went, the hell it is. He's a state trooper. 
And the cops said, what are you talking about, man? It's on the list. It's hot. No, it isn't. The serial number that you're giving me is for, what's the date on the top of the gun? Well, I don't know. He said, well, look, he had to prove to the guy. Every year, they reset the serial numbers and started at zero again, basically. They didn't go exactly at zero, you know what I mean? But And then they kept going forward. But every production year was based on the year and the serial numbers, not on how many were made. And and then everybody goes, what? Yeah. (gasps) You mean you didn't know that? Oh, so all your fucking laws and rules and everything. Wow. Sucks to be you, huh? Now what are you going to do? Now how are you going to account for it? So there's a possibility that... my Mauser, my, if I've got if I've got two or three Mausers, depending on what year there are, there's a chance, a damn good chance, that there's one out there that was stolen with the same serial number, but from a different year. But they don't know that. They don't know everything about guns. They're not all knowing. So then, now they didn't do anything to him. He's a state trooper. Once he proved it, the cop went, "You got to be kidding me! I didn't know that." Yeah, there's a lot to learn. But they, they like it when everything fits in one little compartment so they can say, look, everything is symmetry. There is balance in the universe. No, there's no fucking balance in the universe, dude. So it fucks them up. They don't know what to do with it. And I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure people have ended up losing their handguns that didn't, they didn't even know. No, this wasn't illegal. But the gun that you had was legal. It was from a different year. You did nothing wrong. Weird, huh? So their laws, they pass these laws and they don't realize how complicated the story is behind. They just have no fucking idea, no clue. Now, what do they do with the Liberator pistol? I'm dying to find out how New York, because I'm looking at it right now into getting one. I want to get a Liberator. For my collection. A now, liberator? Under federal, yep, under federal law, those are completely legal, legal. They're considered curios and relics, and you can have a regular gun license, and you can own one. They're legal to own. Great. But those were made <laughs> by the U.S. government, and there is no serial number on them. Now, how the fuck are you going to do that? Do you think I'm going to deface that gun? It's a collector's item. It's worth minimum $1,000, $1,500 without the box. You think I'm gonna? Oh, okay. Allow uh, somebody to put a, dumb put a serial number in it? But, yeah. Uh, you're talking to a guy who's not too proficient in the knowledge of these, of certain types of antiques when it comes to guns. But, okay. Uh, okay. What they I came up with? If I, if I tripped over it. Uh, what they came up with? Hang on, I'm gonna look up. What they decided during World War II, somebody from, I think it was the Polish um, military, um, came up with the idea and went to the U.S. government. And they said, you know what would be nice? If, if you produced, if we had a gun that we could produce and we could give to everybody and pass them out clandestine so that it was a single shot, 45 and we could produce, say, uh, hundreds of thousands of them, a million of them. I think they made a million of them. And, um, okay, here it is in the FFL. And it's going to be cheap. Now, it costs something like $2 per gun to make. 
and we were making them. It took six seconds, six to seven, seven seconds roughly to produce one on the assembly line, total amount of time, seven seconds. They were producing them like hot dogs, spitting them out. It's stamped. It was made by Guidelamp, General Motors. And what the plan was, it had a cartoon an instruction sheet that would fit up in the button. It could hold spare rounds in the handle, and it was single shot, and it was a piece of shit. But it wasn't um, meant to keep for for years. But the deal was with it. You could, say you go up to a German, and you could take that, pull it out of your pocket, shoot him in the head, take his gun. You see what I mean? Now, wow. So we made these. Yeah, we made these, and we made a lot of them. And some of them ended up in Europe. They don't like to admit where. And a lot of the reports aren't exact on how many they were used because people that were undercover and stuff and underground didn't exactly write written reports to say, I used this and shot this guy in the head. No, because you're living in occupied territory. You're not going to admit to using it. There was one report uh, from a German policeman where he admitted, he said there were thousands of these things in France. And he said it used to freak the shit out of the Germans, knowing that these things were floating around and that a lot of people had guns. So, and there was one guy he saw killed with one of these things. But anyways, we dropped a bunch of them in the Philippines so that the uh, Filipinos were using them against the Japanese. And uh, we meant, we wanted to put more into France, but I read one report where de Gaulle, Charles de Gaulle, here we go for gun control. Mm-hmm. He wanted he wanted to be the president, the head of France after we liberated it from the Nazis, and that motherfucker started thinking about it. He said, "Wait a minute, when I go in and I go to be president, I don't want these untraceable guns all over the place. It's going to make it harder for me to take control. So, eh, no, I don't want them distributed all over the place in France. So he talked them into not providing the French underground with a whole bunch of these." Because after the war, he wanted to take control, and he didn't want a population that was armed. Funny how things work out, isn't it? Kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm looking but, at this thing, and it and it looks, honest most, to God, this thing I, looks. Yeah. It looks like something that was thrown homemade. together. Yeah. Yeah. Welded together. Basically homemade. Piece I mean, of shit. Yep, the barrel's not even rifled. It's smooth bore. There's a company that makes a reproduction of it. You can buy a repro, and I think they're like 600 bucks. But to me, why buy a reproduction when I'd rather have for my collection an original, and I'm looking at least 1000 to $1,500 for one of these in decent condition. Hmm. If it has a cartoon and it has a box, the box is probably worth as much as the gun, if not more. There was one that was complete with the cartoon, the original rounds, the floor plate, and everything. I think it wanted five thousand dollars with the box. Whoa! Yeah, they're very they're they're hard to find. So now there's no serial number on that. They're legal own. Now how do they handle that, George? Oh, we didn't think that out. No, fuck you didn't. Well, we're just gonna stamp a number. Fuck you will. You're not going to ruin the collector's value with that to make who safe. Well, you can't own it. Why can't I? Federal government says it's legal. Well, we, and you're an expert. Who the fuck are you to tell me what to... 
See, you get into, they're not ready for this shit. They're not all knowing. They think they are. The government makes off like, you know, hey, we're the experts. Fuck you are. Expert in what? Toilet paper? What do you know all about? What do you explain to us what you've done? What do you know how to handle? That's uh, an interesting pistol, though. It's got a, quite a story behind it, isn't it? Definitely, very interesting. It's a, it, it, like I said, you know, it, it looks like something put together in a, in a shop. You know, and so a, a lot of us, the collectors, we laugh when these liberals say, "We'll just confiscate all the guns." Ah, yeah, and things like this will never show up. Magically, are you nuts? The government even was making clandestine fucking single shotguns. You think they won't show up on the streets again? The CIA do another search. Surprise was in Vietnam. They came, they came up with uh, uh, in Vietnam. The CIA came up with one. Do a search for CIA deer gun, and take a look at that one. And one of those was for sale recently. I think I saw it. No, those are really fucking rare. Those are really rare. I don't even know what those sell for today. But you know what, George? It is possible. You can go to a yard sale. Somebody would think it's for a grease gun or something for lubricated. They wouldn't even know what it was. They might think it's a toy. But it's a for real single shot gun made by the CIA. Okay, so CIA deer gun. Deer gun. Yep. And take a look at that. Okay. Holy shit! How cool is that? Now the average person wouldn't even know what that was. You're looking at it. So, like I said, that could be at a yard sale, a garage sale. Nope. Who would know? But now here's our government looking into making homemade clandestine guns and everything else. And you got liberals saying, we'll just confiscate all the guns. It's easy to make them, dude. Who, who are you kidding? You're fooling yourself if you think you're going to snap your fingers and guns will forever disappear. It will never happen. No, we can do it. Bullshit, you can. And pigs fly and unicorns are everywhere. Right. Just keep fucking dreaming, man. You're not going to be happy in the end. Yeah, uh, I I just put one in there, and here and and here. Let's see if I can. Yeah, I'll put it, I'll do a screen capture of this because it was a little small. It is a blueprint of the deer gun. I'll pop that in the FFNO as well. But there's a there's the blueprint of it. And Great. The so they even show the people how to make them. Be a single shot. Yeah. So they got a blueprint showing people even how to make them. Great. But the liberals think they're going to confiscate and put an end to guns once and for all. Yeah. No. <laughs> You're so fucking stupid. Oh, and by the way, I don't tell us that. We know everything. 
You know that woman that uh, that confronted Beto O'Rourke? She's not with yeah. that restaurant. Oh, she's somebody else restaurant. She's from an. Okay, yeah, there must, a, there must with, be someone else. Yeah, she's with yeah. A, she's with A Z. She's with she's with an Arizona group, activist group. And uh, I was like, holy shit! And I got the uh, the story right here. She is. She is with, uh, where is it here? She's with a group called AZ Patriots, a group she describes as activists and citizen reporters. And the woman's name is Jennifer Harrison. Well, that means that Beto's been attacked by more than one woman. Wow. hmm That's uh, that's what it looks like. And 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 apparently you know, this and, and I looked it up on Facebook for this group. And I'll pop the link to that Facebook page in the uh, FFNO. There it is. See, I think the one in far, the one in Colorado told him, "I'm here to tell you hell no," because he said something about hell yes. See, and here's the one that I just put in from Colorado. I don't know what the difference in the dates were. So he was getting hammered two times. And he told her again with that video, he told her, he said, uh, he calmed the people down because all the liberals were screaming against her. And he said, no, 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 let her talk, let her talk. Okay. Lauren Bobert is the one that I was talking about. Yeah. That's the woman that, that owns the restaurant. Right. But Jennifer Harrison is with a group called AZ Patriots. And like I said, I put the uh, link to the Facebook page in the FFNO. And, oh, boy. What date did she do it? What date did Because it says this was around September 20th when uh, the one in Colorado happened. That was in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, This happened recently, very recently. All right, see, so he got nailed twice. It was in it was it happened in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, see. So yeah, the 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 town hall meeting in Phoenix, Arizona, where Jennifer Harrison confronted him. Oh yeah, and he said even there, you know, let her speak because they tried they were trying to shut her down. And you know what idiots they are. How could, how stupid is this guy? He's running for president, and he says that confiscating guns is constitutional. How no, fucking it dumb are you? No, it isn't. 
and you're running for office and you and it's it's constitutional it doesn't infringe on the constitution at all how stupid are you Now, according to Jennifer Harrison, she said that Democrats don't address what the mainstream voter is concerned about, that is, people coming here illegally, which, you know, she's right. And when she made the statement, you're not getting our guns, the AR-15 is no more deadly than my Ruger 45. (laughs) Yep. And, and, And... what the what Beto O'Rourke said was, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow, our fellow Americans anymore. I'm like, this guy is a fucking lunatic. And what surprises me is that every single one of these Democrat candidates for the nomination is saying the same shit. They're all saying the same thing. There's nothing, they're, they're not differentiating themselves from each other. It's, it's sickening. They're really fucking lost. Now, a war turned around and said, but what is a slap in the face to my conscience and the best traditions of this country is taking kids from their parents and putting them in cages. Uh, really, Beto? Honestly. Uh, that was Obama's doing. Okay? That was Obama's me- method. That's not what's happening under under Trump. George, look at the link that I put in the second picture of the Fox, you know, the news picture where it's got Fox and Friends. It's got a picture of some lady with three people standing there. Look at the tight look at the headline on it. It says Beto justifies These people that are running, the Democrats in general, even when they're confronted with the truth, the facts, everything that's out there, it's easy for anyone to see it, but they refuse to admit they're just blind. It is a cult. I might as well say the the sky is green. Well, no, it's to us, it's blue. No, you're all wrong. The sky is green. It's not fucking green. It's blue. No, it isn't. You're wrong. It's green. We can clearly see that the sky is green, and we're changing the definition of green. We already notified all of the dictionaries, and we're changing all the books and everything. Green now, what you used to call blue, it's now green. We're changing it. We've interpreted it correctly, and we're right. You're wrong. I I don't know what it's going to take to shut these fucking people out. Maybe maybe it's going to take retired SEAL teams to, I don't know, to, to start doing midnight visits and uh, <clears throat> have long conversations with some of these people or something to get them to change the way they think and start seeing reality. 
Even that of the Sopranos. I don't know. Well, what what gets me is how Beto O'Rourke delusionally thinks that confiscating guns is constitutional. I mean, I want him. I, I if if I had the opportunity, I would confront him with the question and, and ask him, say, Mr. O'Rourke, you're claiming that confiscating guns is constitutional. Show me where in the Constitution it's constitutional to take a person's guns because if that's the case it goes against, it goes completely against the second amendment de, no de, so, he's not the only one judge. Where. de blasio de blasio in new york city in this case this upcoming case in the beginning they defended it up and down the minute they heard the supreme court was going to hear it they said this is not unconstitutional it is absolutely fucking correct and look all the circuit courts that are stacked with our own liberals already ruled that it's constitutional. Yes, it. Oh, wait a minute. Supreme Court's going to. And there's Kavanaugh. Oh, uh, you know what? Yeah, I, we changed our mind. Now we're just going to change the law. And now everything's good and you can drop the case. They Once they're confronted with it, they know. They stop saying the bullshit and they, they admit that they're wrong. But in the meantime, they think just by bullshitting us and saying stupid shit that they're going to get their way. No, the system can be manipulated. We can say whatever we want. People don't know any different. We're going to get away with it. We just keep saying it enough and pushing it, and we're going to get our way because we are righteous. Yeah, it'll be righteous working at fucking McDonald's. Uh, man, I, I wish I had enough energy and I was younger. I think I would have run for office. If I was younger, I really would have. I, I don't think the, the liberals wouldn't have liked me. I would have been blunt. But these motherfuckers Mike, you're not that old. You're, you're not that old. Yeah, George, I'd never be able I'd never be able to run because of what I collect and, and and the gun collector and everything else. They would they have the money behind them to ruin people. They do not want people like me in office. They don't even like, and they're they're hard up because they can't really do it. They don't like veterans in office unless they really look into them and say, okay, this vet leans towards liberal. Okay, we we can we can work with this and still use him as a tool to say, look, he's a veteran. We support our veterans because he's a fucking brain dead liberal. So there we go. He's a veteran, and we're good. They go out of their way to find people they can manipulate and use as tools. But anybody that's a diehard conservative, unless you're from a state that has a voting block that powerful, here in New York, forget it. I'm surprised that Peter King has stayed in office so long. But then again, he's a rhino. Even though he says, oh, I'm Republican, I'm conservative, everything else. He's voted alongside the Democrats, I can't tell you how many times. And they keep putting him back in office. And did you ever really listen to him? He's no Harvard graduate. I was going to go, how the fuck does this guy no. keep getting elected? How does he keep getting that, elected? That, that, that's a good question. I mean, what what section of New York does he represent? Well, he's down somewhere in Long Island, New York City, somewhere down in that, near the boroughs. 
I think he's a section close to Queens or something. He's not hmm. in New York City, but I think he's part of Long Island. I don't know. Look him up. Peter King. I'm not even sure what district he's from, but he's, he's down there. But they keep reelecting him. But he's a rhino. He's not a real true Republican, and he's anti-gun. Uh, that sounds conservative to me. He came up with some anti-Trump stuff, but then he flipped and he said some pro-Trump stuff. So I'm like, okay, what's your stance? Who are you then? You bounce back and forth? What the fuck? Well, let me see what the wind's at today. How's the wind blowing? Okay, I'll go that direction. Because that's how they do it. <laughs> I can't. I put in Peter King, I come up with a sports writer. Oh, shit. Here we go. Peter, Peter King, King, New York. Yeah. Yeah. Peter T. King. There he is. Uh, let's see here. Representative of New York's 2nd Congressional District since 2013. A... Uh, 2013. A member of the Republican Party. King is currently the in his 14th term in Congress, having served since 1993. He represents a South Shore Long Island district that includes parts of Nassau County and Suffolk County and was previously numbered as the 3rd Congressional District. Uh, King was formerly chair of the House Committee on Homeland Security where he drew attention in early 2011 for holding hearings on the extent of radicalization of American Muslims. He stepped down as Homeland Security Chairman because of Republican conference term limits, but remains a member of the committee. Uh, He currently sits on the Financial Services Committee and House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Uh, he preceded Robert J. Mrzak, uh, I think it's Mrzak, Mrzak, uh, yeah. 3rd District constituency from 93 to 13, and 2nd District from 2013 to present. So... Yeah, this guy is 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 a is is a, is a, is a loudmouth rhino. Yeah, look at this. Look, look at this right here. He's in the FFNO. I don't trust him with shit. And people here in New York say, "No, he's conservative." Fucking blow me. I conservative. Peter King is the first Republican to sign on to the assault weapons ban. Oh, brother. See what I mean? Sure. Look at his quote. Knows nothing about it, and yet uh, spitting out bullshit. They're weapons of, they are weapons of mass slaughter. This is what King said shortly after his backing became public on Congress web on the Congress website. 
He said, I don't see any need for them in everyday society. Really? So competition shooting uh, doesn't factor into this, I guess, huh? Huh, PD boy? No. No. Uh, the assault weapons ban of 2019 was rolled out back in February by uh, David Ciceline, Democrat from Rhode Island, with 190 other Democrats on board. An additional 11 lawmakers signed on after mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. Left dozens of people dead and many others, many more injured. King being among the most recent. Right. And he's a, and he claims to be a conservative, and he's an, and, oh, yeah. he's a, and he's a he's a fucking anti-gunner. And they throw it up to us. They say, "Well, you have to, there are Republicans that have a brain in their head and that are conservative and they're anti-gun, like Peter King." And I, I told them, I said, "Who are you kidding? He's not a real fucking Republican." He's one of yours wearing a Republican name tag. He's not fucking conservative. He doesn't know anything about it. He doesn't count. He's not a real Republican. He's not conservative at all. It doesn't fucking count. But it's part of the game. So we got idiots out there. They think they know all about it. But once you confront them with all the facts and then they realize that they don't know that much about guns, a gun issue, licensing, serial numbers, or anything. They're like, now they don't know what to do. Oh, my God. Then what do we We could force all those guns to have government serial numbers on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. There are millions of dollars worth of guns, millions and millions in collector value out there. And you think you're going to go destroy. That would be like saying people that collect antique cars – we want the registration burned into the paint on the hood of each antique car that's out there. How well do you think that would fucking go over? I've got an not antique well Ferrari that's worth, yeah, not very well. You're not going to market or destroy or anything with the value of my fucking collectible because of your paranoia. Well, you have to. It's the law. Maybe you shouldn't exist anymore. It goes back to that biker expression. I love that. You won't let me live my life the way I want to. Why should I let you live yours? And if they push it to that point, they're going to bring every wacko out of the fucking woodwork. And I, like we all say, we don't want to see that happen. So, they better stop with the rhetoric and everything else and start learning about the subject. Learn about the subject before you start commenting and passing fucking stupid laws. Know what you're talking about. Just because but, you've got a title is, doesn't they mean don't you're entitled to a microphone. Subject, Mike? No, they don't. And they don't want to bring in people that do know about the subject. That would be reasonable. Say, okay, we can do this. We can't do this. This is dumb. This will affect. This is what has to be done. And we could do. No, but they don't want to do that. You can't even trust. I don't care if it, they say, well, we could bring in police. No, you can't. 
because not all the police are really well-versed and know what the fuck they're talking about when it comes to the history of firearms or the background or any. How many cops do you think know that about the serial numbers on, on, uh, on Lugers? Very fucking few. George, I would say in New York alone, I would guess there might be uh, 50 out of the thousands. I'll say even law enforcement in general. 50, I, I bet there might be 50 police officers in New York State that would know that about the serial numbers of Lugers. They don't know. So you're going to bring them as an expert? Why? Because all of a sudden they got a uniform, so magically they've got a Ph.D.? In firearm history and everything else? No. A degree in it? No, they don't. Well, they're cops. So Mike, I would they know trust everything. you. No. I would trust you. Yeah. With more knowledge and expertise in, in firearms than I would some law. And, and nothing against the cops. Don't get me wrong. No. Don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, folks. But I no, would trust no that's... Because of his vast knowledge and experience with, with firearms than I would a police officer who doesn't know jack shit about a Luger. They might know modern stuff, yes. They they might know about Glocks and what they use on the range and and the modern stuff, yes. I get that, and they'll know the difference in calibers. But when you get into collectibles and antiques and and different going back, World War II, World War I, they're not going to know. So they're putting people's lives and futures in, in jeopardy. Because people are going to get penalized that don't know. So like a buddy of mine was telling me what happened when he was a kid. Um, he, was, he lived in, uh, well, I won't say the name of the town. It's over near Carmel. And he had a shotgun, a 12-gauge, and he measured it out. And he measured it even longer. He put the barrel at 18 and a half inches, and he took it to shop school. This is years ago. And in the shop, he brought the shotgun to school, and they cut the shotgun barrel off to 18 and a half inches. Now, that's legal, just a little bit over the legal limit. Uh, and, but he wanted a short shotgun, 12-gauge, because when he was hunting and you're going for pheasant and stuff, and you're in the brush, a full-size shotgun barrel, you can't really turn to your right, turn to your left. If you're stuck in scrub brush, you know what I mean? When you're hunting. And mm-hmm. pheasants are weird like that. I mean, they used to, I had one that, man, I finally ended up after like three weeks of going for that same, and I'm convinced it was the same motherfucker. He fucked with me for three weeks. What they do is they'll jump up, they'll fly over you, come down, and they'll go behind you and then run up behind you and try to run away. Or they'll land to mislead you. They're not stupid. And, and you're in, you know, bushy area. And, and stuff, and so it's very hard. It's hard to turn. So, anyways, yeah, a cop um, pulled a gun on him and said, "You've got a sawed-off shotgun. Drop the gun." And he said, "What?" He said, "Drop the gun, or I'll shoot you. You have a sawed-off shotgun." He said, "You better know what you're doing here. Are you arresting me before you go making any mistakes or anything?" And the cop handcuffed him, brought him in, and the sergeant said, "That's a sawed-off shotgun. That's illegal." He said. No, it isn't. He said, get the federal law out and get your tape measure out and know what you're doing and be very careful because you're going to get yourself sued. 
they ended up giving back the shotgun. They said, you're very lucky because you could have gotten shot for having a sawed-off shot. It's not sawed-off. Well, uh, 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 they don't even know. So and it's not saying police are ignorant, but when you don't know enough about a subject, what the fuck? You're putting people, innocent people's lives and everything in jeopardy because of your ignorance, your incompetence. You don't know about the subject. You're going to make believe that you're all knowing. You're not. I get into that argument with the attorney who was the liaison, remember I told you, with Governor Cuomo, who was a state police attorney from the law department when they first put the law in effect with the SAFE Act. And I said, you know, I've got all this belted ammunition, World War II, sealed up for Vickers. They were on canvas belts. It's original, 1943 dated. And I said, if you think I'm going to take a pair of scissors and cut those canvas belts into 10-round strips to keep you happy, you're out of your mind. He said, no, that's not our intention at all. You're a collector. We don't care about it. We're not going after collectors. I said, yes, but the problem is your police officers don't know the difference. They're not trained. I said, I could right now, in front of you, I could put an MP5 magazine next to a PPS 43 magazine, and could you or any of the officers tell me the difference of which magazine is 50 years old? No. And he said, well, that's true. No, okay, so now what happens? I get arrested, brought to jail, and it costs me twenty, thirty thousand dollars in legal fees and everything to prove I'm innocent, and I'm paying it because of the police officer's stupidity. And what do I get? A Christmas card from you saying sorry? I'm back. Hey, Mark. Hey, gunslinger. You see what I mean, George? Gunslinger. They don't, oh, buddy. They don't want to admit that. Look, they don't want to admit that it's it's flawed. I, I, Look, I'm the first person who will tell you up front. I don't know shit from Shinola about one weapon from the other as far as, you know, like, you know, the difference between a belt fed and and so on like that. But that's not to say I'm not willing to learn. The problem is, and you pointed it out really well, the police officers... Anywhere in America, not just New York, but anywhere in America, there are police officers that don't really know the subject matter. They don't know what they're looking at. So what it comes down to, and what it really pisses me off about, is that when you have law enforcement that don't know what they're fucking talking about, the the people that that get screwed over are people like you and I. Yep. Now mix that with certain police officers that have an arrogance that comes with that badge. Well, I'm a police officer, and I'm all-knowing, and I'm going to tell you that's illegal. No, it's not illegal. I got into an argument with a state trooper years ago out of the Anzville Barracks over there before they moved, and this guy stopped me with my World War II Jeep. And uh, this guy was a jerk. He was obnoxious. He was an asshole. And he said, I could stop. I can have you towed right now and have this vehicle impounded. I said, no, you can't. And he said, yes, I can, and I will. I said, and what for what reason? He said, because you have tactical lights on this still, and you're not allowed to have tactical lights. I said, what are you talking about? I said, I've owned this vehicle since 1978. 78, 79? Yeah, I bought it in 78. And I said, and, and I've been driving it. This is all original, 1944 military it has not been modified. 
And I said, do you, do you know anything about the law at all? Are you just winging it? Are you just saying stuff without, because we can really, I said, be very careful. I told them I'm a business owner in town here. I'm not without resources. Do you know what you're talking about? Well, I don't, I said, do you know under the grandfather clause or everything, if the vehicle doesn't, if it was, was not made with turn signals, if it was not made, then it's original condition, and I'm not mandated to have it. You know that if a car out of the 50s that didn't have seatbelts, that I don't have to have it because the car is all restored and original, and I'm exempt. I don't have to have seatbelts. Well, yeah, that's true. Well, this vehicle was made factory new with those tactical blackout lights. That's how it came. And it had one brake light, and that's how it was made, with one brake light. The old Model Ts and shit. You know the old cars out of the 20s and stuff? The old Fords had one brake light. That was how they were made originally. I said, so yeah, by today's standard, a new car, no, that's illegal. But back then it was legal, so today you have a restored vehicle. It's covered under the grandfather clause. Now, you're going to tell me that it's illegal for me to have tactical lights on this? You're not in a combat zone. There's no legal reason for you to have those. You see the arrogance? Now, he refused to back down. I went into the, to the sergeant, the desk sergeant, the next day. He wrote me a ticket. I gave the desk sergeant the ticket. I told him who I was and everything else. They brought me into his office, and, uh, and, and I, I told him, I said, this guy was arrogant. I said, I, I don't want to be treated like this for this, and this is total bullshit. And I said, you've got an officer that doesn't know what he's talking about whatsoever, and he's threatening me that he's going to impound my vehicle and everything. And he said, you're not the only one that's complained about him. He said, we've had a lot of problems, issues. They ended up, they ended up transferring him. They sent him to another police barracks or something down towards the city. Good. He belongs down there. Good. Send him to another city. He'll do, he'll do great down there. But, but there's an arrogance that comes with something. Now, that police officer is not like all of them. That guy was an asshole. That's an you know, understatement. But they, they don't know the law, but they don't want to be proven wrong. They do not like to be proven wrong because their ego kicks in. Well, I've got this badge, and I've got this fancy uniform, and I don't have to listen to you. No, fuckhead, you're wrong here. Okay, I'm, I'm no. not a sovereign citizen. I'm not playing that game with you, but in this case, you're wrong, and especially with guns. You're fucking wrong. Well, in those cases, people like that don't need to be a fucking client, okay? I mean, they don't need to be no. that fucking attitude. They do not need to be a client. Don't be a goddamn dog catcher or a trash picker-upper or something. You'll be better suited for it, okay? But as a law enforcement authoritarian position like that, shit. I mean, you can sit that motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, what, what my neighbor did, I mean, over, out of the whole thing, and he, he did it in a way where we didn't have to modify the Jeep. He said, I mean, Mike, you know what? He said, okay, the guy was wrong, but up here where we live, there are a lot of back roads and there's no lights and everything else. And the taillights on the Jeep, yeah, they're kind of dark. And what happens if somebody's drunk? You could get rear-ended if you're driving at night. I could see that. He says, you know what? He said, let me put a pair of the cam lights. You know the just for, you know, the metal cans, the old style round. Mm-hmm. And he said, in your back, on your frame, underneath, there's already holes. Look, they're right here. They're part of the frame. And he said, I could put them up in that. We don't have to drill anything. We don't have to modify anything. The Jeep is still 100% original, but it'll be safer now. 
so we don't have to worry about you're going to have good markers that are very, very bright. And I said, okay, if you could do that without mm-hmm. modifying the Jeep, that I agree with that. I have no problem with it. But I'm not going to go drilling holes in the body or anything else and modify the vehicle to keep a fuckhead like that happy. No. No. It's, it's, it's one thing for a state trooper or even a local law enforcement official to, uh, you know, to, to, to pull you over for legitimate reasons. Right. But with a vehicle like that, that is factory made, all original, and is exempt from seat belts, turn, from signals. turn signals, and, and, and so yeah. forth. I mean, all the stuff that the modern vehicle is, is, is equipped for, this vehicle being exempt, you know, you would think that law enforcement officers would be would, would would take the time to learn about something like that so they don't run into problems. But this fuckhead sounds I like told him I, based on what you said. Yeah, I told him I told him I said, think of the fun you'd have at a car show. Oh my god, you'd be writing tickets all day long. <laughs> Shit. I mean, you know, at that point now, when he started being an asshole, I started getting ridiculous right back with him. Now he doesn't know what to do. I was respectful, but just still playing the game right back at him. I said, you know, you got to be careful, man. This could escalate. It's not going to go well. But they ended up, they, they did. They transferred him. So... And it wasn't just because of me. Apparently, he really treated some other people like shit, and that just added to the pile, you know what I mean? But but somebody like that, I could see long-term having serious problems where, you know, like that, how do we know? Like that cop that was, uh, that cop that was in jail with Epstein. Remember that cop? Did you ever read about what that cop did? Holy shit. Where the guy flipped out and was murdering people and burying them in his backyard? I seem to remember that story. Yeah, he was an arrogant son of a bitch. There were some people joined the military for the wrong reasons. Some people joined law enforcement for the wrong reasons. You know, we got a lot of great, thank God, a lot of great police officers out there. But I'm sure mixed in, yeah. Or some that should not be law enforcement. They shouldn't be police officers. I remember back when I lived in Peekskill, okay, I had people telling me, you know, why don't you join the police department? And the smartest thing I ever did was not join. Because I ran into a, into a situation with, with friends of mine who kept saying, you, you would make a great cop, you know, you, you're... You're respectful. You're 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 you're, you're considerate of, of everyone around you. You would you treat people fairly. You would make a good law enforcement officer. And at one point, when he was the police chief, Gene Tumalo had asked me if I would consider joining the force. And I told Gene right to his face, I said, "Hell no, no disrespect intended there, Gene, but no thanks." There's a there, there's an overlying problem that I don't want any part of, 
And he looks at me and he goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, here's the, pro- here's the problem that went into it. You're a Peekskill cop. You live in Peekskill. You were raised in Peekskill. You know the people in this town. You know a lot of people. Okay? They, if I pull over a friend of mine or even a member of my family, they would expect me to let them go because of our friendship or because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a family member. And I can't, I can I, I would not be a very effective police officer in the city of Peekskill because of that. Because everybody would expect me to, to, to do favors for them. And that's just not going to happen. Well, Gene understood my reasoning, and he, and, he, and, he, and he said to me, George, you know, I understand how you feel. I really do. He says, I, I, you know, I, I should have really thought, that, thought about that before asking you. But if you ever change your mind, and he left the door open, he said, if you ever change your mind, come see me. I never changed my mind. I held fast to my position because when you're in law enforcement in a in the town you were raised in, you're ex- people expect something of you. They expect something from you. Like if I had pulled, let's say for for the sake of this discussion, I were a cop in Peekskill, and I had to pull my own brother over. Okay, because he. He ran a red light, or he, he ran through—he—he he, he blew through a boulevard stop. Okay, for those of you who don't know what I mean by boulevard stop, stop signs. Okay. Well, first of all, I would walk up and doing the job that, that I'm required to do, I would ask for his license, registration, and insurance card, and I would run his information, and if. And then walk back up to him with the ticket written, explain why I wrote the ticket, why I pulled him over, the whole nine yards. My brother, of course, he would never have done this, but let's say for the sake of discussion, he had turned to me and said, George, I'm your brother. How can you do this to me? You know, can't you you just, you know, let me off with a warning? And I'm like, Thinking in the back of my mind, I would be thinking, no, I can't do that. Just because you're my brother, that doesn't mean that, you know, I can let you get away with something like that. You know, and I would feel, I'd feel like shit. Because I had to give a ticket to my own brother. So, becoming a cop in Peekskill was not an option. Maybe Yorktown Heights... You know, maybe uh, when when the town of Cortland had its own police force, maybe the town of Cortland at the time, but not Peekskill. I just couldn't do it. You know, because of that favoritism aspect, people would expect me to 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 to, to be, you know, lenient with them. I mean, if I if I had to pull you or Lisa over, okay, as a cop. You know, you're my friends. You know, right. I, I still would be expected to do my job, but I'd be no, afraid we of do the same thing we did like normal. No, I just hand you the twenty bucks and I drive away. We'd be fine. <laughs> what? 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 
That's how it works. We're <laughs> in New York. Bribery, that's bribery, sir. No, it is in New York. That's standard operating a procedure. That's that's standard <laughs> operating procedure in New York. <laughs> hey, how you been? Hey, nice seeing you. Here's twenty bucks. All right, see you later. That's how it works, right? That's shit. <laughs> oh, oh man. But but you see what I'm saying? It, it, it's it's just that yeah, simple. And and, and and going back to, and especially going back to what you were talking about. You know, if I had pulled you over because of the Jeep and, and not seeing turn signals and all that and not knowing about the vehicle, especially, you know, and, you, yeah. and, and if you had said to me, like you said to that trooper, of course, I'm a little different. I'm, I'm, I'm of the mindset, okay, so this vehicle was, was, was made for, uh, for, for the World War II era. It, it came standard, standard equipment. As is, and it's as is currently. It's in the same condition. It's still an as is condition, factory right. made. I would at that point say to you, okay. Having that in mind, I can't write you a ticket for no turn signals. I can't write you a ticket for improper headlights or, or anything like that because it's exempt in the law. Okay. And I would and I would just say, okay, just. Be careful driving down the road and let you go on your way. That's the proper uh, I way told to them. handle it. Yeah, I told them, why don't you call your sergeant, call the desk, and have somebody look it up and look up the uh, – I mean, they gave me – one cop came to me locally, and, and that's how it works. He said, Mike, he said, I hate to do this to you, but one of your neighbors complained that was that bicycle, that liberal piece of crap that opened that store close to me. Remember that guy? The guy that took me to court mm-hmm. for having for having too many military vehicles, they're all green. Remember? And, no shit. Uh, and that was, yeah, yeah. He, yeah he brought me to yeah. He brought me to court because I had too many green vehicles, too many military vehicles, and they were scaring his customers away from buying, intimidating his customers. That's what he said in the in the suit from buying uh, his used bicycles. You piece of shit, fuck! You look like Peter Frampton. A fucking guy. All right. Anyways, <laughs> the cop said he he said he he complained about um, that you don't have your your cannon is not registered. There's no license plate. And I said no, there isn't, and it's completely legal. And he went, it is. I said, yep. Yeah. Now this is with knowing the law in New York State. Every state's different. But I said, and I printed it out and I had it handy in the back of the jeep. Any in New York State, any trailer that is made for a specific piece of equipment is exempt and does not have to be licensed. Does not need a, need a license plate. So if you've got a tar bucket, you don't need a plate on it. You got a wood chipper, you don't need a plate on it. Any because a trailer is part of it. It's a tool. It's made for that piece of equipment. My Canon trailer that tows it, the carriage work is made for that cannon. I can't go to Home Depot and stack plywood on it. You see what I mean? You're pulling up. Because I went to the... Right. So I went to the DMV when I first got it, and I tried to register it. And they told me, no, this is exempt. Your trailer is made for the cannon. They said, even though this sounds weird, the cannon, the trailer is part of it. It's made for it. It's not for any other use. It's just for that. Same as a tar bucket. You know those tar buckets they towed behind the cars with the flames going? That cook the tar? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, for roofers. Yeah. 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 I, I've, well, I've seen those tall those, buckets. Yeah. So in New York State, you don't need to have a license plate on those. I said, yeah, okay, that's great. But I still didn't trust it. I know how it works. So I on the computer, I printed that law out, DMV. And I kept it handy. And I've had to pull it out several times. And he took that. He said, this is great. He looked at me shocked. He said, I didn't know this. I said, no. He said, can I keep this? I said, yes, you can. I said, okay, you're done. Have a nice day, Mike. Okay. See, that ended well. He didn't know about it. He admitted it. I gave him the proof down the road. Next. Yeah. But, There's a but, lot of again, certain things local, that not everybody can know. This is a local cop that... When, yeah, right. This, this is a local cop who had a little bit more, you know, respect and hearing what you had to say, and 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 you educated him on what the law says you can and cannot do. Da 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 da. So he basically right. was like, "Okay, cool. Can I, can I keep this?" Because you know, he he was very happy, you know, to, to you know to to know this stuff, you know. And and that's that's the that's that's the way a law a, a law enforcement officer should be when when confronted with a situation similar to yours. Um, yeah, but that's well, not nobody can know every there's there's no but there's nobody in the world I don't care who the fuck it is that you can tell me knows everything about everything. You can't. It's impossible. So what the fuck? So there's no room for arrogance. To say you know it all. You don't. Now here come the politicians. Oh, they exactly. do? Uh, no, they don't. I mean, look. Look, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know everything. Lord knows. No, I wish I do. did. I'd, I'd be a genius. But I don't know everything. You, but Even a fucking see, genius doesn't know everything. everything. That's willing to learn. But you see, I'm willing to learn. Did you that's, ever, the, that's the important did thing. Did you ever... Did you ever see, it's a running joke, but have you ever been to the Watson facility, IBM Watson facility, over there, Yorktown? Uh, no. You know where the place is, though. You know how big that place is. I think so. Right. Okay. That's a long IBM time. headquarters. The Watson, the Watson facility there, uh, named after, like, the founder, the main guy for IBM, and that's where they housed, I don't know if they still even have it, Big Blue. That was the computer that played chess, remember? They've got laboratories, mm. research and development. They've got uh, technicians, physicists, scientists. They've got, there are a lot of high-end people that are in there, a lot of PhDs, a lot of very educated people. And when you walk through there, George, there are people with, that forget to wear socks, that have mismatched socks, that have two different shoes on, that have different, that they don't, they don't, they're fucking unbelievably smart. But as far as like day to day, their mind's in a different fucking level than we're at. To them, they might forget, they probably forget to put their socks on this morning because their mind's thinking about a fucking equation for, they're on a different level than us. So you can't tell me everybody is every, you know, that you're all knowing and everything. No. People are different, and, and, and it's a running joke, you know, that some of these scientists are incredibly smart. They've won awards. They're well-known. They've written papers. They're fucking physicists or whatever, but they can't even tie their own fucking shoes. 
Yeah, the the place you're talking about is is over on Ketchewan Road in Yorktown. Yeah, it's the yep. IBM Thomas J. Watson Research Center. Yep. It's still there. They're still and they're still they yep. still run the place. Yeah. So, you know, when people say no, there's no such thing as all knowing. And you can't make one law that's going to cover everything, a blanket law, because you can't legislate human behavior. It, it, but they don't understand that. But they're trying their damnedest, and they're pushing it, and they're pushing it. We are not robots. It's not going to work, and it's going to come back at them. So. Well, as a matter of fact, I have a satellite view. Um, let's see if I can bump it up a little bit to make it a slightly bigger image. I'll take a screen capture of this. Uh, this is the, uh, and I'll show this on the cam on camera too. Uh, the uh, IBM, the Thomas J. Watson IBM Research Center in Yorktown Heights. Um, Let me just uh, there, there have been go. times when they yep. were doing top secret, you know, secret contracts with the government where you had to have special clearance to even go into that fucking, you know, different departments and stuff in that place. I mean, it, that's some high-end stuff, research and development that goes on in that building. But that's the same with any corporation. A lot of corporations around the country, McDonald Douglas and everything else. And so you've got unbelievable some of the people with degrees and how smart some of these scientists are and stuff, the engineers that are working in these places. But are they experts right, with um, everything? No. I just put, now, I just put in the FFNO uh, news and topic room the, uh, the, picture, the satellite picture of the... Uh, Thomas J. Watson uh, Research Lab in Yorktown. And folks, you're seeing, for those of you watching on the video feeds, uh, that's the satellite view of what we're talking about. Uh, this place is the home of, of Big Blue. There's, it's still there. Oh, it is. All right. It is still there. I think Big Blue was one of their biggest accomplishments for that facility. So I, don't, I, no, I, I can't see them moving it. I mean, I think that beat that chess champion in, in a game of chess, that Russian, didn't it beat the guy? Mm-hmm. Yes, it did. Yeah. It did indeed. And he and he was in a, he was like shocked because that. I think he lost. He, 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 he did not. He, he, he could he, he could not believe that he lost to a computer. Well, I think he won once or twice, and the computer beat him also. But, um, going to the Wikipedia page, uh, where I got the satellite view, by the way, um, according to this, the center headquarters of IBM's research division is named for both Thomas J. Watson Sr. and Thomas Watson Jr., 
who led IBM as president and CEO, respectively, from 1915 to 1971, when it was known as the Computing Tabulating Recording Company. Now, the research is intended to improve hardware, physical sciences, and semiconductors research services like business modeling, consulting, and operations research, software, programming languages, security, speech recognition, data management, and collaboration tools, and systems, operating systems, and server design, as well as to extend the mathematics and science that support the information technology industry. And the center was founded at Columbia University in, 1940, in 1945 as the Watson Scientific Computing Laboratory at, 116, at 116th Street in Manhattan, expanding to 115th Street in 1953. Uh, more labs were later opened in Westchester County, New York, beginning in the late 1950s with the temporary facility and research headquarters at the former Robert S. Lamb Estate in Croton-on-Hudson with others in Yorktown Heights and downtown Ossining. The new headquarters were finally located with a new lab in Yorktown Heights designed by architect Hiro Serenin, completed in 1961, with the 115th Street site closing in 1970. IBM later donated the New York City buildings to Columbia University they are now known as the Casa Hispanica and Watson Hall. The lab expanded to Hawthorne in 1984. Now, a little blurb here about the supercomputers. As of November 2010, the center houses three top 500 supercomputers, the oldest and still fastest of which a Blue Gene L system designed for protein folding simulations called BGW or Blue Gene Watson entered the list in the six in the six 2005 issue. Then positioned second behind behind fellow Blue Gene L in LLNL. <clears throat> Another well-known ins installation is Watson, an artificial intelligence system capable of answering natural language questions, which won several Jeopardy games against human contestants in, in 2011, February of that year, on, on the site. So... There's, that's, that, facility, that laboratory is still in operation to this day. And that doesn't surprise me, really, because IBM is still one, is still one of the largest, uh, uh, one of the largest uh, technology firms to hire uh, in the state of New York. It's funny, in that little bird, they don't admit anything about their role in World War II, do they? That's kind of interesting. Mm, they might, but I, I didn't go through the entire... Over, I went through the... Uh, well, let's say in the 1940s. Uh, Nothing in the 1940s about their role in World War II, what they did. 
that wouldn't fit the no, gun there's control nothing here. That would piss off. No, that would piss off the gun people. Ooh, what did they do? <gasps> you mean IBM made M1 carbines? They made guns for the military? They produced rifles? Get the fuck out of here. <gasps> How dare they? <laughs> Shit. Nope, there is nothing Eventually, left I'll pick one of those up. Well, it probably mentions... Do a search. In, do type in, in IBM. Type, type, well, to, it looks like for that, they're trying to hide it because they don't want to admit what they made. Type in, do a search, IBM M1 carbine, and watch what comes up. They can't hide it off the internet because those are collectible. I'd love to have one for my collection. I know eventually I'll find one because it's in our backyard, George. They're around. They're there. You know what I mean? Hello, I'd like to find one sunshine. That hasn't been fucked with. You see it? Uh, it's I, the IBM N- M1 try that again, M1 folks. carbine. The, the, yeah, it's mentioned on gunbroker.com. Yeah, they're selling them. Of the estimated 6 million M1 carbines produced from 1941 to 1945, the 346,500 carbines made by IBM was a small percentage. IBM only manufactured the standard configuration M1 carbine. They did not produce the M1A1 folding stock paratrooper or the select fire M2 models. Right. And that information is from smaller from smallarmsreview.com. But see, they don't they hide that. They don't want that's not liberal information. We don't want to piss off the Oh, how dare they? They made guns. They're merchants and they're death merchants. Oh my goodness. Honey, sell the stock quickly. I don't oh, want any oh, IBM products. Here's and here's something from Wikipedia on the M1 carbine. I'm putting it in the FFNO news and topic room. Man, you're learning gun there stuff tonight, George. Fucking left and right. No shit. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's just read the first three paragraphs of this, uh, of this one, and, of course, uh, you all can look at it in your leisure. The M1 carbine, formerly the United States carbine caliber 30M1 is a lightweight, easy to use, 30 carbine, which is 7.62 by 33 millimeter, semi-automatic carbine that was a standard firearm for the U.S. military during World War II, the Korean War, and well into the Vietnam War. The M1 carbine was produced in several variants and was widely used by not only the U.S. military, but by paramilitary and police forces around the world. It has also been a popular civilian firearm. The M2 carbine is the the selective fire version of the M1 carbine, capable of firing in both semi-automatic and full automatic. The M3 carbine was an M2 carbine with an active infrared scope system. Despite having a smaller name and appearance, the M1 carbine is not a carbine version of the M1 Garand rifle. 
There are different firearms, and they use different ammunition. On July 1, 1925, the U.S. Army began using the current naming system where the M is the designation for model and the number represents the sequential development of equipment and weapons. Therefore, the M1 rifle was the first rifle developed under, the, under this system. The M1 carbine was the first carbine developed under this system. The M2 carbine was the second carbine developed under the system, etc. Now, skipping ahead to World War II, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, there's five paragraphs on this, uh, on this subject. Well worth reading. The M1 carbine, with its reduced power, 30, 30 cartridge, was not originally intended to serve as a primary weapon for combat infantrymen nor was it comparable to more powerful assault rifles developed late in the war. However, it was markedly superior to the 45 caliber submachine guns in use at the time in both accuracy and penetration. And its lighter 30 cartridge allowed soldiers to carry more ammunition. As a result, the carbine was soon widely issued to infantry officers, American paratroopers, NCOs, ammunition bearers, forward, <laughs> forward artillery observers, and other frontline troops. The first M1 carbine was delivered in mid-1942 with initial priority given to troops in the European theater of operations. During World War II, a standard U.S. Army infantry company was issued a total of 28 M1 carbines. Company headquarters was issued nine carbines. Weapons platoon was issued 16 carbines, and the three rifle platoons were issued one each. Although as the war progressed, these numbers would vary greatly as individual units and soldiers would often arm themselves as they saw fit. The M1 carbine gained generally high praise for its small size, lightweight, and firepower, especially by those troops who were unable to use a full-size rifle as their primary weapon. However, the reputation in frontline combat was mixed, and negative reports began to surface with airborne operations in Sicily in 1943 and increased during the fall and winter of 1944. In the Pacific theater, soldiers and guerrilla, guerrilla forces operating in heavy jungle with only occasional enemy contact praised the carbine for its small size, light weight, and firepower. However, soldiers and Marines engaged in frequent daily firefights, particularly those serving in the Philippines, found the weapon to have insufficient penetration and stopping power. While carbine bullets would easily penetrate the front and back of steel helmets, as well as the body armor used by Japanese forces of the era, reports of the carbine's failure to stop enemy soldiers, sometimes after multiple hits, appeared, to, appeared in individual after-action reports, post-war evaluations, and service histories 
of both the U.S. Army and the U.S. Marine Corps. The carbine's exclusive use of non-corrosive primer ammunition was found to be a godsend by troops and ordnance personnel serving in the Pacific, where barrel corrosion was a significant issue with the corrosive primers used in 30-odd-6 caliber weapons. However, in the ETO, or European Theater, I think it's, yeah, uh, European Theater of yeah, Operations. Yeah, European Theater of Operations, some, right. Yeah. Some soldiers reported misfires attributed to moisture ingress of the non-corrosive primer compound. Now, there's more information that, that in, in this, of course, uh, selective fire version, infrared sight versions. talks about the Korean War, the Vietnam War, uh, British Army, German Army, Japanese GSDF, is Israel Defense Forces, French Army, South Vietnam, South Korea, Philippines, Latin America. There's a lot of information on this weapon that's in this in, in this. Uh, uh, look at go to your images. Go to your images of the receiver. Go to your images of the receiver. Get find a picture where you're looking okay. down on the top of the rifle. Look at the back of the receiver, the back of the top where it would touch the wood, you know, of the stock, and that's where they put the marking with the name of the company with IBM. And read how they were marked, George. Read how they, that's where they stamped the name of the company to produce them. And they were all whether it was Postal Meter. Winchester, whoever made an M1 carbine or any of the right, that's where they always stamp the name on the back of the receiver on the very end. And take a look at under images and read how they name it. It's pretty funny. Where did you put this? Go to when you're you're in Google where you type the search for IBM carbine. You click the button on Google that says images, and then you'll have a whole bunch of images to choose from. And find a picture that shows the back of the receiver. I can find one for you if you want. Uh, hang on a second here. I've got the M1 carbine uh, on the right hand side. More images and so forth. And it's so you scroll down until you see a picture. Scroll down until you see a picture of the top of the receiver with the markings. <gasps> uh, let's see here. One of them should have a close-up of the markings. One of the pictures it's bound to. Okay, you're talking about uh, the markings over by uh, by the receiver on the top of the receiver, uh, stamped into it, stamped into the metal. IBM M carbine markings. Aha, uh-huh. I think I found one. 
Yeah, it's uh, right on right on the top of the receiver, just in front of the uh, in front of the with the wood, right at the end. Right, see it? Right on the end, right in the back. Hang on a second here. Let me open this up. Zoom in on it. Uh, It says IBM Corp, and it gives a bunch of numbers. Right. IBM stands for. International business international. machines. So the soldiers used to say, this is my international business machine. This is how I handle business. <laughs> Can you blame them? You blame no, them? I can't. I think, I, I think it's pretty great. It's a good, yeah, you're right. It's your international business machine. Yeah, This is how we negotiate. I think it's a cool rifle to have. I mean, it's, it's, but you don't see them often. You know, they're out there. I mean, the last one I looked at, they wanted, I think it was a thousand dollars for it. But now you get into, you get into some of the details because at first IBM didn't make the barrels. They used, I forget if it was International Harvester or I forget who the fuck they used. So you might find, you want to make sure that you get an IBM that all the parts are IBM on it. So if you, if you find one that hasn't been played with, and now since 1945, sometimes it was sent into U.S. arsenals, and they just mixed the parts up. It didn't matter because the government didn't give a fuck about what part was made by what factory. or It's a site. It's a site. So when they reassembled them, you know what I mean? They did, they'd take all the guns apart. All the parts would be put into barrels, and they'd be cleaned if whatever had to get plated or whatever. All right, fine, dealt with. And then, uh, and then they get reassembled. So then you give a fuck about, well, this bolt belongs with this receiver, with this, with, no. It was, they just reassembled them. So finding one that is intact, all original, it's not easy. You know, there's a science to it. So I I can see an all-matching one, I have no doubt. It's probably $1,500, You know, it depends on the site, depends on... So then, and also, if it's got post-war, they came out with at the end of World War II, they started putting the bayonet lug. See under the barrel, there's a there's a bayonet lug. I mean, I've got two M1. I've got, I don't know, I'd have three M1 carbines. I know I got two, at least two. I might have, I might have three. But uh, fuck, I don't even know what I have anymore. It's like I'm not even sure. But anyways, now under New York law. My M1 carbine, I had to register as an assault weapon. It's not a fucking assault weapon. No, it's got a bayonet lug, and it takes a detachable magazine, and it's semi-automatic. Oh, my God. It's one of those evil guns. So, you know, a lot of collectors did. They removed the band, or they cut off the bayonet lug. Why the fuck are you doing that? It's a piece of history. Leave it the fuck alone. Well, no, New York said we can't have that. Yeah, I know. There are thousands of people attacked with bayonets every day. Stop. Fucking idiots. Ugh. But it's got a bayonet lug. That's evil. Oh, okay. All right. So it's kind of sad to think of how many of these guns got modified that are out there because... State of New York says no, it's got a bayonet lug. That has to come off. 
Stupid, stupid shit. Stupid shit. They got all confused when it, when the law came out about the M1 Garand. Because they wanted it first. They were talking about that the M1 Garand classified, it fell into category as an assault weapon. No, it doesn't. They said, well, it's semi-automatic and accepts a magazine. No, it doesn't accept a magazine. It accepts N-block clips. There's your clip. It's the difference between a magazine and a clip. You got stripper clips that hold the rounds in, in, in place so that you can push them down in to reload a magazine. Or you have an N-block clip that just clips onto the back part of the fucking rounds. And then you push the whole N-block clip down into the receiver, down into the M1 car, uh, Garand. It's a different mechanism, and it only holds eight rounds. Oh, oh, that's, oh, I see. Okay, yeah. But it's got a, a it's got a bayonet lug. Yeah, so? Did you have a hold of M1 Garand? That's a heavy motherfucker. It's not an assault rifle. Didn't, didn't it's a you bring an M1 Garand to the PC? Didn't you bring one of those to the PCFOA once? No, I didn't bring a Garand, but I think I will. I think next time I will. I'll bring a couple of them. I, I, I think that might that might be a good idea because uh, I I don't remember ever holding one I, I, when I was at your house uh, on a few occasions. So. Yeah, they're heavy. Uh, yeah. They're, well, uh, hey, listen. Those those two you brought to the last PCFOA, those weren't exactly yeah. light, you know. No, they're not. But New York State, well, they, the politicians know what they're talking about. Well, they make up these fucking stupid shit, and they have no idea. M1 N block. Here, I want to show you what an N block clip looks like for an M1. Here we go. So you can see what the fuck these look like. Now. This is why it drives a lot of us crazy when people keep saying, oh, he's got a clip. No, it's not a clip. It's a fucking magazine. Well, if, if it's an N-block clip, it's a different thing. That's different. Or a stripper clip. You know, if, if this will let me in here, Facebook, come on, Facebook. Get off your ass. There we go. Okay, go to FFNO. While I'm doing that, we've got just about nine and a half minutes left on the live side of the Blog Talk Radio broadcast. If you have not called in at this point in time, now would be a great time to do that by dialing 347-945-5747. Again, the number is 347-945-5747. We'll be tipping into overtime on Blog Talk Radio, but live on the other platforms so if you want to get on to discuss some of the stuff we got going on, come on, dial the digits. Because after we get done talking about all this, I still got a couple items that might be of interest to you that you might want to hear about, especially who did Trump hire recently as his outside counsel? Hmm, I'll give you a clue. He is a very, very vocal former congressman. I'll leave it at that. 
So be sure to dial up the digits and get involved because we're going to be talking about that soon enough. And hello, nurse. What? I'm looking at the what you just put the 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 Garand. Right. Those are those are those are end block clips, and the end block clip fits in the whole clip and all end arounds fits into uh, the M1 Garand, and what happens is when it's done with the last round. It spits the the metal clip that band. It spits it out of the gun, and then you have the the myth about them mm. saying, "Well, the enemy could tell when they hear the bing, you know, from the clip being ejected from the gun that you were out of ammunition." And there were stories about that. But in the din of battle, in the background noise of battle, you're not going to hear bing coming out of it. No, in that case, I, I don't believe that story. But anyway, there's a, a story, and you've got to learn respect with the M1. When you reload an M1, you take your thumb, and you push that whole fucking block of eight rounds with the clip down into the gun. See what the second now that I put in there? Now, if you're not fast and you don't know how to do it, there's a trick to it. Then the minute that block clears the bolt, that bolt slams forward fucking 300 miles an hour. So if you're not fast, that bolt's going to bite your fucking thumb and you're going to bleed. So that's what they talk about an M1 thumb. So you learn how to do it. You know. You see it? The second one I'm doing? That whole thing, the whole metal clip fits down in there. Now, that's that's an M1 clip. Now, I want to show you what a stripper clip looks like. Okay. A stripper clip is different. A stripper clip is made so that some some of the older rifles, like Mausers or whatever, have a built-in little magazine that holds the, the rounds down inside them, like a bolt-action rifle. And then you reload them, there's a little cutout where a stripper clip fits in. And the stripper clip is a straight bar that holds the rounds in a straight row. And then what you do is you put your thumb, you put it in place, and you put your thumb on top of the bullets, on top of the rounds themselves, and you push the rounds, the rounds themselves down in. And that stripper piece of metal, the stripper clip, stays on the top, and you take that out and throw it away. All the stripper clip does is make it easier for you to reload the gun faster. Do you see what I mean? They slide. The bullets slide off that little strip. They go right down into the gun. You're done. And then they have other strippers. So clips. in a sense, it's almost like a speed loader. Well, a speed loader. That's all it is. And they have some stripper clips that, uh, man, they might have like, I don't know, 20 rounds on it or something. And they're, they're made to reload the thing fast. So that's, this is a difference between an end block clip and a stripper clip. 
You see what I mean? Then we have magazines. Now we get into the magazine that holds the ammunition, and you change the magazine. Now you see the differences? Mm-hmm. And you have politicians, and then you have politicians that say, high-capacity clips. No, you dumb fuck. Politicians are about as uh, smart as a broken light bulb. You know that as well as I do. But, you, but do you see what I mean? Now you can see outright the difference. Mm-hmm. An end block clip, a stripper clip, and a magazine. Three completely different things. And it used to be the end, end, end block clips used to be fucking, they were garbage. You know how many I've thrown away in years? Stupidly. I regret that I did. I never even picked them up when I was done because they were always, they were always around. But this is back 60s, 70s when I was a kid. Now today, I think they're like a dollar or two a piece or, or more. And people, they're like, you got to buy them. Because if you got M1 Grand, you don't. You want those end block clips, you know. But the gun used to, when it's empty, it, it would eject the end block clip. You take another end block clip and you pop it back in. But that's how they reloaded. Our American soldiers reloaded their rifles in World War II with the end block clips. You press that whole fucking thing down in there, and you were good to go eight rounds. And basically what they did is after World War II, they redesigned, they came up with the M14. This is basically in my version, my civilian one that I have. My big sniper is an M1A. It's that rifle, which is like an M1 Garand with a detachable magazine. A couple of other differences, but basically to, to explain it. So you don't use the end block clip anymore. Now it takes a whole magazine. See what I mean? Hmm. Well, gentlemen, we are about to be joined. All right. Yeah. We are being joined by our friend in Alaska. Boyd has arrived on the scene. Hello, Boyd. Hey, Boyd. Hi, guys. How you you doing? Doing great. Sitting here eating some chips. Uh, Trying to keep the dogs off of me. Happy puppies. That sounds like fun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Anyway, if I remember correctly, when I was in the Army, we used stripper clips to load our uh, magazines for uh, yep. the m M16, yep. yep. So you keep your, you know, what you do is you keep your, you keep the you keep the magazine in place and just put the, the stripper clip in and just fucking just zip and load yep. that mag fast. Yep. Yeah, folks. It, but see now all this stuff, these in. three simple things. Three simple things, end block, stripper clip, and a magazine. Do you really think any of the politicians even understand the difference between any of that? No. If they if they could, they'd ban stripper clips just because it's ammunition-related and they don't understand it. But 
It's a high capacity feeding device, so uh, let's ban it. They don't. Yeah. They have no idea. Well, I understand. Fucked up. There's, there's many things they do not understand. No, they don't. But it doesn't stop them from passing laws on them, does it? Uh huh. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if they they even understand how to go to the bathroom. No. Uh, no comment. Oh, no comment on, on that one, Boyd. Sorry. No, I, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I am not going to go there because that's getting a little bit personal, you know. Just a little too personal. I mean, you know. I mean, can't. if they if they don't if a, if a politician if a guy politician doesn't know how to whip his dick out to take a piss in a urinal, that's his problem. And if, a, and if a woman politician doesn't know how to sit on a toilet to take a tinkle, then that 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 tells me she doesn't need to be on the next ticket. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean being jack shit, you know, because the way their bathroom bills are passed, they don't know which end is which. No, they don't. <laughs> tell me about it. It's like, oh God, really? Uh, unbelievable. Well, listen, fellas. We're going to go over time on Blog Talk Radio, but live on the other platforms. But I want to kind of move into something here. I mentioned a moment ago that a certain former congressman has been so, has been hired by President Trump to act as outside counsel. Well... That very politician, that very person, is none other than Trey Gowdy. He joined Trump's legal team. That's right, Trey Gowdy, a man who is known in Congress for being one tough son of a bitch. Well, this this former U.S. representative from South Carolina has joined the Trump legal team as the House... The House's impeachment inquiry expands, an inquiry, by the way, that still has not been properly voted on. I am pleased to announce that former Congressman Trey Gowdy is joining our team as counsel to the president. I have known Trey for years and worked with him when he served in Congress. His legal skills and his advocacy will serve the president well. Trey's command of the law is well known and his service on Capitol Hill will be a great asset as a member of our team, Trump attorney Jay Sekulow said in a statement Wednesday night. Gowdy, who formerly chaired the House Oversight and Reform Committee, decided not to seek re-election last year and joined the law firm Nelson Mullins, Riley, and Scarborough after leaving office. Gowdy has has been a Fox News Channel contributor, but a company spokesman said Gowdy has been terminated and is no longer serving in that capacity. 
Well, he's a lawyer. He doesn't need the job. That's okay. But the White House wrote in an eight-page letter to Congress on Tuesday that it won't participate in its calling in, in, in what it's calling an illegal investigation, writing that the inquiry violates fundamental fairness and constitutionally mandated due process and lacks any legitimate constitutional foundation. So here we have Trey Gowdy joining the legal team. It'll be interesting to see what Trey Gowdy brings to the table, okay? Because I got a sneaking suspicion that his time in Congress, his knowledge of the way the system is supposed to be run, as opposed to the way the Democrats are running it, oh, there's going to be hell to pay. Believe me, there's going to be hell to pay. What do you guys think of that one? Trey Gowdy joining the president as part of his legal team. Oh, here you go. Fingers crossed. I hope it all ends well. I mean, I hope he really, I hope he's able to do something to make a difference. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think he brings a lot of uh, congressional experience to the table. His uh, yeah. his, his legal background, and uh, you know, I, I think that that with that in mind, you know, both his legal background and his ex- user experience in the Congress, uh, that's going to put that. that I, I can almost guarantee the Democrats are sitting there scratching their heads, going, "What the fuck are we going to do now?" This guy was one of us. And he was a congressman at one time. Now he's on the legal team. What the fuck are we supposed to do? He knows the way the system really works. I'm almost sure that they're scratching their heads trying to figure out a way to fuck him over. But that may not work, given his experience. Um, but I'm a little pissed off with Fox News Channel. I'm a little pissed off with them. And I'll tell you why. Apparently, they put out a Fox News poll recently, uh, dated from the 6th of October to the 8th of October. Should President Trump be impeached and removed from office? In July of this year, 42% said he should be impeached and removed. 5% said impeached but not removed, and 45% said not impeached. Well, fast forward to now, 51% are calling for him to be impeached and removed, 4% impeached but not removed, and 40% not impeached. Uh, Fox News, did you become a liberal station all of a sudden? Are you taking your your cues from the Democrats all of a sudden? Seriously? And and if this, unlike election polls, this one, you know, people are going to watch your network and read your pages and see this, and they're going to be like, oh shit, oh well, who's 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 on Dancing with the Stars? Never mind that shit. People are saying he should be impeached and removed. Get off. 
Oh, well, fuck them. Because now Fox is showing that they're no better than CNN or MSNBC in this, with this kind of a poll going out. Let me, let me pose a question here to everybody. When it comes to uh, this, this not even official uh, impeachment inquiry, because they still have not voted for it yet. Why, why would the American people support impeachment and removal if this poll can be believed? Especially among Trump's voter base. What do you think about this, Mike? I don't trust the polls. I just I don't trust them. Uh, you know what are you gonna do? You know to keep throwing this stuff out there and it's just nuts. Boyd, what do you what are your thoughts about it? Kind of a, you know, to me on on the polls because I've gotten a lot of uh, notifications that uh, such and such a poll is being taken and people over there and vote on it. You know what I'm saying? And then then mm-hmm. you can, then. On some of them, you can actually go out, you know, if it's an online poll, you can vote, you know, multiple times. So, it's it has a lot to do with uh, uh, how the questions are asked, who they're calling, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, they can be Gun. skewed. Any thoughts? Yeah, I know. I agree, Mike. They could, they, they can be skewed. They can be manipulated very easily. You know, and, and that's what that's what scares me about this, especially coming from Fox News. I'm surprised they actually ran this poll. Gun, what about you? Any thoughts? I didn't hear all of it. I had to step away from it, but uh, I, I heard the last half there. Um, wow, I'm, I didn't hear about that. Uh, you got me. Huh. Yeah, I mean, Fox News ran a poll asking the question, should President Trump be impeached and removed from office? In July of this year, <clears throat> 42% said impeach and remove. 5% said impeach, but not to remove, and 45% said not to impeach at all. Fast forwarding to now, here in October, the, peop- the, number of, the percentage of people that say impeach and remove are 51%. Just to impeach, 
4% and not to impeach 40%. So it seems like the numbers, if these numbers can be believed, and I agree with, you know, with Frank and Boyd, these, these numbers could very easily be manipulated. Uh, 51% impeach and remove. That's a, that's a 9% jump upward from July. I can't believe Fox News made this, put this poll out there. I, I, I firmly believe that they're, they're leaning too far. They're starting to lean left, and it's starting to get a little scary because if they lean left, the only uh, conservative outlet that's left is One America News. So, I mean, this is this is just nuts. And how are the and, and and people were watching more of Fox News than the other two. But if they're going to get the same kind of bullshit polls and everything else, they may as well just go back to watching CNN and MSNBC. I don't yeah. think Fox realizes how very dangerous putting a poll like that out when you claim to support the president and all that shit. Another poll. It just—it's—it's it's sickening. It really is. But you know, to get away from the politics for a moment, and this is right out—oh, this is right out of Boyd's neck of the woods. Get a load of this. Alaska nurse practitioner, doctor charged in opioid distribution scheme. An Alaska nurse practitioner and a doctor, dubbed the Candyman, were charged Wednesday with providing millions of opioid doses to patients who did not medically require the drugs, in which in turn fueled addiction, and caused overdoses and deaths, according to officials. The Alaska U.S. attorney said 48-year-old Jessica Joyce Spade and 74-year-old Laverne David Hazer, I'm not sure if I pronounced it right or not, but close enough, were arrested and charged separately for distributing the prescription painkillers. Federal prosecutors said the two medical professionals helped fuel the state's opioid epidemic. Spade, an advanced nurse practitioner and owner of Eagle River Wellness in Eagle River, was charged with distribution of narcotic substances resulting in death. David Hauser, 
a physician at Family Medical Clinic in Soldatna, I'm not sure if I pronounced that right or not, the name of the town, uh, was charged with distribution of a scheduled controlled substance. Now, Spade allegedly distributed more than four, oh my God, this is nuts, four million doses of opioid narcotics, including Oxycontin, Methadone, and Hydromorphine, to 450 patients between 2014 and 2019. At least 19 of her patients died within one month of filling an opioid prescription she issued, according to court documents. Twelve died within two weeks, and five died the same day or the next day. Holy fuck! What the hell is wrong with these people? They're supposed to be medical professionals, but they're they're nuts. And it all comes it all stems from an undercover FBI agent or FBI agents who posed as patients with signs of opioid addiction, but little pain justifying the opioids they sought. This according to court documents. David Hauser still prescribed them the drugs. Now, David Hauser was put on probation in 99 for a two-year period and fined $5,000 for failing to keep medical records for prescriptions. He was placed on probation again in 2009 for five years and fined $35,000 for over-prescribing drugs and failing to show concern for patients' well-being. Now, Spade faces a minimum of 20 years in prison if convicted of the most serious charges, while David Hauser faces a maximum of 20 years in prison. Son of a bitch! And and there are doctors who want me to take painkillers for my back pain and my knee pain because it gets that bad at times? Fuck no, I ain't touching that shit. But this is, and this is just one example of what's going on in this country. There are some pain management doctors that will prescribe a narcotic painkiller even when your pain level is low. In effect, these doctors are becoming drug dealers. I think a min- Spade facing a minimum of 20 years and David Hauser facing a maximum of 20 years, that's, 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 a, that's a slap on the wrist in my opinion. What do you guys think? Those numbers yeah, on I... the death, those, those numbers of the deaths and stuff, are different than what they're reporting up here. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
What are they saying? Somehow I'm not surprised. They're 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 way yeah. they're way over what they're reporting locally. Oh no shit. So they're downplaying yeah. it. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, where? What's the source on that? Oh, this the story came from the Associated Press and uh, Fox yeah. News. Yeah. Okay, our local station was only reporting a, uh, a couple of deaths from each of them. Yeah, because um, Anchorage's KTUU-TV uh, was reporting on the U.S. drug inf- on the DEA's spotted signals, including patients traveling long distances, uh, prescriptions written before previous prescriptions expired, and patients using multiple names in pharmacies that led, to them, that led them to spade. Uh, some pharmacies in Anchorage stopped filling prescriptions written by Spade. Uh, of, of course, this is according to KTUU TV in Anchorage. Yeah. But now, somehow I'm not surprised. But this is. This is an ongoing problem with, with opioid addiction and so forth. And these these medical professionals are only adding to the problem. Now do you see why I'm so very so very quick to say, fuck no, I'm not taking narcotics for pain? Uh, I just Max just came over to me Took his head and smacked my arm with his head I think he wants to go out But I want to show you one thing real quick George uh, Something interesting came up You ever heard of the battle From Bunker Hill it's Something you'll remember For the rest yeah. of your life Okay yeah I just put a link in there the British ended up with twice the amount of casualties that we did, but they still won. They took the hill. There was a thing about Breed's Hill originally. They, some people say that, like, Smithsonian has an article that says that even though we were, we were the colonials were told to reinforce Bunker Hill, they reinforced, they bypassed it in the dark, and they reinforced Breed's Hill. But anyway, the Battle of Bunker Hill... They were told to wait until they saw the whites of their eyes because we were running low on ammunition, powder, and everything else, right? It was right after Lexington and Concord. You know, the shot that was heard around the world. You know, the Bunker Hill was afterwards, but it was part of the Revolutionary War. It's very historic, right? Follow me? Yeah, I'm following you. I'm following. Okay. Now, take a look. Now that you looked at that in FFNO, this is something to keep an eye on because this is once in a lifetime, and it's documented to shit. Look at this, what's coming up for sale at an auction. Holy fuck. I don't even know what that'll sell for. I, I, 
if if the Smithsonian had money, they should buy that fucking rifle. Holy shit. Gun that fired the first shot at Bunker Hill for sale. <clears throat> and documented Holy like crazy. Holy shit. Yep. And with the matching serial number bayonet that came with it. Oh, wow. This thing's been documented. It's been written up for for years in different magazines and books, acknowledged. They know the officer that owned it. They know that, yeah, everything's documented, that it was there. It was at the Battle for Bunker Hill. And this is the first time that it's ever leaving the family. It's been handed down in the family 200 and something, 40 years or something. Holy shit. That's going to be some serious money right there. I would say so. Boy, do you see it? Yeah. I I don't even know what that's going to go for. I don't even know what to guess that will go for. A million would be cheap. I, I, I don't know how you put a value on that. That has to go go into seven digits. Yeah, it's, that's got to be like mental fucking money. You know what's probably going to happen to that? Some billionaire is going to buy that and probably donate you're it muffling. to a museum. Mike, you're muffled. Some, okay, hold on. Some, some, hang on, hang on. Some, millionaire, some millionaire will probably buy that and donate it for a tax write-off. That's the only thing I can think of. Unless they're so fucking rich that they can afford to keep it in their collection. That's incredible. And it's got all the paperwork and proof with it. Max, come here. And outside, he started to go after something. That is an incredible, incredible piece of uh, of history, and a, there, I'm looking at a close-up of the flintlock itself, and it's in pristine condition by the looks of it. It really is. It looks like it looks like it's in great condition. Now, according to this, in one paragraph from, the, from what you posted, it says the musket yeah. is accompanied by Second Lieutenant John Simpson's original commission dated March 13, 1788, from the state of New Hampshire. The appointment is in Captain Simon Master, Marston's company in the battalion of troops raised within said state for the defense of the states of New England and New York, commanded by Lieutenant Colonel uh, Stephen Parody, uh, Peabody, rather. It is signed by E. Thompson and M. Weir and has the pressed seal of New Hampshire. 
That thing's going to go for at least seven digits. I agree with Boyd. That's going to go for at least seven figures. But that's one of those things. That's a piece of American history that we're only once in our lifetimes. You know what I mean? We'll see something like that coming up with a connection back to colonial, to the Revolutionary War. I'm surprised that the family's fucking selling it off. Yeah. It says here in the last paragraph, now that it's up for sale, the new owner will be the first non-Simpson to own the the musket in more than 240 years. Wow. I can't imagine why the, the family would want to part with such a wonderful piece of history that's been handed down it's because it's our society today nobody cares about that it's how much money they can make out of it people don't care anymore there used to be a time when the family and heritage and respect for your family and everything meant more than no not anymore those days are gone Fucking sad. It is. It is a damn shame. I mean, I don't know whatever became of the family Bible that that my mother had from from when uh, my sister Louise was born. I don't know whatever. But I don't that. know the name of the auction house. Yeah, I don't. But it'd be worth it to monitor that auction house to see what that ends up selling for and where it ends up. You know what would be kicking the ass? If some Saudi Arabian fucking multi-billionaire oil money buys that thing to put it on display in Saudi Arabia or something. I mean, to them, that's, that'll probably, that's just pocket change. Uh, it's, it's through Morphe Auctions. Yeah. I'm going to put the link in the FFNO to the auction house. There it is. But um, let me see if they if they have an opening bid on this thing. Holy shit! Minimum bid fifty thousand dollars. Current bid seventy five thousand dollars. Estimated at one hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars, and there's only been six bids. It's going to go for more Son than that. Son of a bitch. Oh, easy. That's going to go for a lot more than that. Yeah, that's not going to get so cheap. That's who they shouldn't. <clears throat> well, there's there's just over 13 days left in the uh, in the auction. 13 days, five hours, 28 minutes, and an odd number of seconds. So this is definitely going to be worth monitoring, that's for sure. 
So that rifle saw the British. Mm-hmm. Something. That is absolutely wow. impressive. Wow. That's that's that this is this is an incredible piece of history to be sure. Yeah. And whoever ends up with it <clears throat> You know, either like you said, Mike, they'll it'll be a millionaire that uh, either has enough millions where they'll keep it in their collection, or they'll donate it <clears throat> for uh, a tax write-off. And if the and if the latter is is the chosen thing to do, uh, hopefully they donate it to the Smithsonian. I hope so. Or or West Point. Yes, absolutely. That would be yeah. I don't even know if I, I, I don't, I would, I I don't would, even know if a, I don't even know if a museum in Boston would. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to have it in Boston and everything, but with the amount of liberals that are there, and the anti-American socialist fucking attitude, and well, there were slavers, and the American founders shouldn't be respected, and those fucking assholes. I don't know if it, it would be appreciated by them. I don't even know what to expect out of them anymore. You know something interesting? Here, I'm going to tell you a story. A friend, you remember that friend of mine I told you about that visited Cuba this year? Remember I told you about him? Mm, I think so. Remember I, told, remember I told you how he said that the taxi drivers, a lot of them are doctors because they can make more money driving taxi than they can? Remember? And about how the economy and how fucked up upside down everything is over there and everything and how they, they treated them like gold because they want the American tourists to come to spend the money and, and they're trying to build up a tourist industry and they, they're treating the American tourists like gold. They're really taking care of them. And, uh, and the police are really on top of it. They want to make sure that American tourists are not bothered by anybody. And, uh, and But anyways... Remember, he to- I told you they took an elevator. He went to the lodge, uh, the Masonic Lodge there in Havana, and he took the elevator up. It's a, they have their own building, and the Masons weren't messed with. Fidel Castro didn't mess with them because Fidel Castro's father was a Mason. But he still, you know, was pretty strict with them and everything, but he didn't arrest them and do all the bullshit, left them alone. All right, well, when they took the elevator up, but then when they were done, Everybody had to walk down. They weren't allowed to take the elevator down. Because the amount of electricity it takes, it's so expensive, and they can't get replacement parts for the elevator and everything. They only use it to bring people up, not down. It's, everything is it's like bizarro land. It's a different fucking world over there because of the communist government, how the way everything is. All right. So he said he was in a conversation with his daughter, and he said, you know, she's nonstop. She graduated SUNY, you know, college, and all of the teachers and everything are socialist. And she got into a big discussion with her father, my friend, about how socialism is the way and a lot of the communist ideas are this and that and, and how America should be looking at socialism and, 
they get these kids really fucking brainwashed. And she was telling her father, no, that the youth of today, everybody, we're going to fix the problems that your generation and we're going to go to socialism and this is the way we should. The schools have really fucking done a number on the youth. And she and he said, you know what? He said, how would you like to go to Cuba and see firsthand? I'm going to send you to Cuba. And he did. He sent her over to Cuba so she could see it, sent her on a vacation. And she went over, I think, last month and came back. And, he's, and he had a conversation with her afterwards. And, and she said, well, yeah, it's not what I expected. It's not what I heard. And he said she was confused. Because now she saw the reality of what it was like compared to all the bullshit that she heard in school and everything and the propaganda, and it didn't fit. Now she's confused. It's like, well, how do I process this? And I saw firsthand now, and it's not what they were. I was led to believe it was. And so all of these, the way these people think and everything in Boston, that's why I'm getting down to it. Would they appreciate a rifle like that with the way the schools are teaching these kids and everything in history? And I don't think they would. We know what that represents. I don't think they care. But maybe, maybe a lot of the youth, maybe it'd be good to send a lot of these kids over there. Let them see how socialism works. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing, I, I bet you anything, she's going through a process right now because all of her beliefs were sort of the crack started. Now the crack is going to grow. And reality will sink in and she'll realize that, yeah, it doesn't work. It's wrong. It's nice to dream, but. but. You know, I'm glad he did it. I, I, not all of us can afford to do that. Here, I'm going to argue with my kids, and I'll show you the difference, and I'll send you to Havana. That's an expensive proposition. But good for him. I'm glad he did it. Interesting, huh? Interesting way to to settle an argument. Yeah. If they could go after the major museums to read to purge the major museums, the big museums of what's in there that doesn't fit their bullshit, I bet they would. You know, look at that museum down south. Remember we were talking about it on Georgia's show a while ago that went out of business because the city council came after them because they had Confederate items on display. It was a Civil War museum. Doesn't matter. They didn't want any anything with the stars and bars, anything Confederate displayed. So the museum ended up closing. They went out of business. You know, to fit a political agenda. So it's not the reality of the history. They're not worried about that. They don't care about that. It's their vision, the way they look at things. It's more important than the actual history. Mm-hmm. It's 
So I have no doubt that places like the West Point Museum or anything else, they would love to get in there and start throwing shit out. They're no different than ISIS, the way ISIS chipped away at the Buddhist um, monuments and that, that mountain that had all the carved uh, Buddhist uh, statues and everything, and they destroyed them. They're no yeah. different than them. No. That was the Taliban. Yeah. Oh, Taliban, rather. You're right. You're right. Yeah. No. Well, look at uh, ISIS did the same thing in Christian churches and the, and other. I think some mosques that they didn't agree with, they were destroying religious sites and everything as well. These are fanatics. And I I see no difference from them from the rest of them. Uninformed fucking idiots. Well. Speaking of of uninformed idiots, get a load of this. I just came across this little this little story. <coughs> California bans hotels from using tiny plastic bottles. Get a load of this liberalized bullshit. Hotels in California will have to stop giving guests small plastic shampoo bottles under a new law. Governor Gavin Newsom announced Wednesday he had signed a law banning hotels from giving guests plastic bottles filled with shampoo, conditioner, or soap. The law takes effect in 2023 for hotels with more than 50 rooms and 2024 for hotels with less than 50 rooms. Violators could be fined $500 for a first offense and $2,000 for subsequent, subsequent violations. The law allows similar actions by some of the world's largest hotel chains. Marriott International has said it plans to stop using small plastic bottles in its hotel rooms by December 2020, IHG, which owns Holiday Inn, Kimpton, and other brands, said it will eliminate about 200 million small bottles by 2021. Last year, Walt Disney Company said it would get rid of small plastic shampoo bottles and its resorts at, at its resorts and cruise ships. The law comes as California officials are trying to reduce the amount of plastic waste. The state already bans grocery stores from giving customers single-use plastic bags without charging a fee. The Personal Care Products Council opposed the legislation, arguing it would hurt personal care product manufacturers. Now, I've stayed in, ho- I've stayed in hotels, okay? And those little plastic shampoo bottles they're like single use they're a single use item to me that you know that that's that's always been like um what do they call it uh, um you know shit i forget what the word i'm i'm trying to the word i'm i'm trying to think of is is on the tip of my tongue um it was basically like um Oh fuck! Here we go. 
it was it was it was a um, well, basically, you know, the hotels would get would put that stuff in the hotel rooms, kind of like a, a as 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 a as a as a convenience or or something along those lines, and 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 you know, people you know chose to use them or not. Now, when I stayed in 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 this one hotel uh, on occasion down in down there in down in Fishkill, New York, when I was homeless. Uh, one of the man, I would be set up, you know, with a with a night or two in this hotel, especially when, when it was really cold and and to the point where I I you know I would be freezing to death. And you had the little bottle of shampoo, the little bottle of conditioner, and of course a bar of soap, an individual small bar of soap. So it it was you know. It was basically like a, a courtesy thing, you know, that they that the hotels would put out there. And to me, it, it, this is just stupidity on the part of, of California because these these little bottles are, Christ, they're they're maybe what an inch inch and a half high. They're very small, and they're like single use. How's that going to how is how is something like that going to make a be a big problem you know as far as plastic waste I don't see I don't see where this is adding to the problem But I'm not a liberal so I I I guess I don't I guess I don't see it the way they do But what gets me is the fines that they're going to incur $500 fine for the first offense and $2,000 for subsequent violations. Holy shit. I got a better idea. Why don't you why don't you write a law that that makes it possible to uh to clean up the streets of the homeless in California. In San Francisco and Los Angeles and so forth. Get the get the homeless off the streets. Do something about that instead of worrying about this little plastic bottle bullshit. That to me is just nuts. So now, when you go to stay in a hotel room in California, you're gonna have to buy. You're gonna have to go there with uh, your own bottles of shampoo and conditioner and soap. Who in their right fucking mind is going to be thinking about that when they're trying to pack for a business trip or some shit? Talk about stupid. And Eric Trump is, notes Obama's silence on the Biden-Ukraine link and wonders, where is he on this? That's a, that's a good question. Obama hasn't said very much at all since he got out, since he left, he left the White House. Which is a good thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Boyd. It's a good thing that he hasn't said anything, but 
I'm rather curious as to why he's not defending his former VP. Well, because he was right in the middle of it, too. Yeah. Oh, this is curious. Apparently, a U.S. official has been charged with leaking secrets to journalists. Did Genova and Townsing's Victoria Townsing and Joe DiGenova on a report that the FBI referred 14 employees to OPR for leaking uh, classified information and how the de- and how Democrats are demanding access to records from Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh's time with in George W. Bush's White House. A defense intelligence agency official was arrested Wednesday and charged with leaking classified intelligence information to two journalists, according to the Justice Department. Henry Kyle Fries was arrested by the FBI when he arrived at work at a DIA facility in Virginia. He was charged with willfully disclosing national defense information. Fries is alleged to have in, to have accessed at least five classified intelligence reports and provided top-secret information about another country's weapons systems to the reporter with whom he was having a relationship. Priest has a top-security government security clearance. The arrest is the latest in a series of prosecutions under the Trump administration of government workers accused of providing non-public information to journalists. In 2017, then-Attorney General Jeff Sessions pledged to take a stand against leaks. Neither reporter, neither reporter was identified by name in court documents, but an, an analysis of news articles and social media posts indicates they are Miranda Mateus of CNBC and Courtney Cube of NBC News. Those posts include a photo of, of Mathis and Fries on Instagram in 2017. Now, the Justice Department declined to provide any additional details about the classified information that was leaked, but the articles focused on China's missile systems. Oops. Oh, that's uh, that. Okay. Uh, Fries betrayed the trust placed in him by the American people, a betrayal that risked harming the national security of this country. According to Assistant Attorney General John Demers, who leads the Justice Department's National Security Division. Although officials would not rule out the possibility of bringing criminal charges against the journalists, the top prosecutor whose office is prosecuting the case said investigators are focused on the leaker, not the journalists. It was not immediately clear whether Fries had a lawyer who could comment on his behalf, 
A message left by the Associated Press on Freese's cell phone was not immediately returned. Freese was expected to make an initial appearance in federal court in Virginia on Thursday. Now, representatives for CNBC and NBC News and the Defense Intelligence Agency did not respond to requests for comment. Uh, this uh, was put out by FoxBusiness.com and uh, contributed to by the Associated Press. So, two journalists working for C- one for CNBC and the other for NBC News, which, by the way, CNBC falls under the umbrella of NBC News, received classified and even top secret information. They should be criminally charged. I don't see why why being a journalist excludes them from criminal prosecution when the leaker gave them this information that they should not have had in the first place. Unbelievable. George, I found some gun sales for you. Go to the FFNO. I want to start saving up your money. Uh, Boyd, gunslinger. Take a look at this. Fucking prices are fantastic. I mean, really, what a deal. Look at some of those prices, man. Outstanding. The only problem, George, is that advertisement's from 1963. Uh, That's what sucks. But it's it's nice to bring back memories. (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, sure is. Look at this. Look at this. Interesting to say the least. Holy shit! Yeah, I I took a look at some of the prices on uh, on there, and I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me! And then you said that about what year came out. I'm like, fuck! What did you tell me that for? Yeah, man. One of the other collectors put that up and said, look at this. We're gonna get a time machine. Fuck, man, Springfield Oath Me is $800,000 each today. Look what they sold for back then, $29. That absolutely blows me away. Hi, my name is Robin, and this is what sucks the girl said. Well, I don't know what to tell you there, brother. I really don't. That's depressing. No shit. Fuck. Very depressing. Well, gentlemen, I hate to do this, but we're down. We're coming up on the four, to the last four minutes of the broadcast, so I'm going to get ready to cut this puppy down for the night. Cut, cut the cut the hair out off the dog and let it walk around in its birthday suit. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Boyd Gunslinger, Mike, thanks for being here. I don't know what happened to everybody else. I mean, it seems like, you know, I'm only getting uh, two and three people, it seems, anymore. I'm surprised even Ron Rick wasn't here tonight. I'm actually surprised that Iggy Mom didn't show up either. So, but hopefully the Thursday night edition will, gar- will garner some 
more people. Because the more the merrier, you know? Makes for interesting conversations. But on that note, gentlemen, before I uh, cut you all loose for the night, uh, just one thing I want to say without fear of contradiction. We'll be back for, for the for the Thursday night at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 Central, 8 Pacific time. But most important of all, we'll be here, and I am hoping then you guys will be here. Come early because you know you find you don't you find out stuff that that's coming up. You know you're missing out on. So we don't want that. No, no, no. Not at least. But gentlemen. My thanks again for being here and to all of the people watching and listening by archives. And uh, we'll see you on the Thursday night edition when we'll do it all again. For the comments I've made, that's the way it is from my perspective. I'm George Sinzer, and this has been Firefox News Online. Fair, balanced, and always responsible. We'll see you next time. See you later. Yeah, good night. Thank you for tuning in to Firefox News Online. Firefox News Online is a production of Firefox News Online Productions. Any rebroadcast, transcript, either in whole or in part, without the express written permission of Firefox News Online Productions and its owner, is expressly forbidden. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. If you have any comments you'd like to share, we'd like to hear from you. Write to comments at firefoxnewsonline.com. That's comments at firefoxnewsonline.com. And if you have any stories or topic ideas you'd like to send our way, you can send them to WeReport at firefoxnewsonline.com. That's WeReport at firefoxnewsonline.com. Firefox News Online airs Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 Central, and 8 Pacific Time on multiple broadcast platforms. Go to Facebook.com slash FFNOP, that's Facebook.com slash FFNOP, or you can go to Facebook.com slash Firefox News Online Journalist, that's Facebook.com slash Firefox News Online Journalist, where you will find the links to all the live broadcasts. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next edition of Firefox News Online, fair, balanced, and always responsible.